Hello and welcome to House of Fire and Blood, the podcast where we ask, what if George R. R. Martin's Fire and Blood were told more like HBO's show, House of the Dragon? Hello, my name is Caroline, I use she, her pronouns, and I'm here with Gretchen. Hi everyone, this is Gretchen, and I use they, them pronouns. And we are continuing our analysis of Fire and Blood. We are starting with the chapter Sir Fight of Rulers, part one. So about the first 10 pages of this chapter. And uh, I'm very excited, Gretchen. Are you very excited? I am very excited. You know, like when we were breaking this up, there was a part of my brain that is like kind of skeptical about the like smaller number of pages in this section but i'm very glad we did because like this chapter has so much in this section there's so much much to talk about oh my god there are so many things that so one thing about this analysis that we're doing that i really like is that it's making me think about how this would be portrayed on screen if you took the liberties like house of the dragon did Mm -hmm. and i so desperately want parts of this chapter to be adapted there's this this section and the following sections of this chapter just like you can make an entire I mean you could take a you could make a multi-season show mm-hmm. off of stuff in this section, you know? Like yep. and thinking about it the way that the House of the Dragon writers did it really opens that up for me and it, uh-huh. it really makes the writing the rather the reading process so much more interesting and so much more fruitful. Right. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, cuz yeah. I I mean I really enjoyed Fire and Blood the first time I read it. And um, I am finding myself enjoying it even more in Mm -hmm. this process of, like, picking apart what are the ways that this could be adapted that are, like, more sympathetic to Mm -hmm. certain, like, to the female characters and, like, how much of this is bias. And, like, some of it is really easy to see. Like, the misogyny is really easy to be like, ah, yes, there it is, the misogyny. Mm -hmm. He hates women and doesn't think they should be in charge. But well, like, Queen Alyssa never made any decisions. Yeah, she no. Yeah. Never <laughs> made any decisions. Never, um, not once. She she just was desperate for people to love her and was unwilling to do hard things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that <laughs> aligns so well with what we've seen of her so far. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, women with their gentle hearts. Anyway. I know. But, like, there are things that I am finding that I was like, oh, I didn't even question that the first time I read it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we will get into it, but the whole idea that Alyssa is sending all of these women to Alisanne to, like, subtly undermine her, I'm like, is she, though? Mm. Is there another reason? Mm. Um, and I, I think that there might be. I think there's a big question mark. Yeah, I also have thoughts on this. Okay, I'm excited. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Let's get, let's get into our quote-unquote high-level summary. Right, um, right. Um, uh, so Martin does start the chapter, and you noted it in your notes, and I, I giggled when I was reading uh, the book. <laughs> he starts the chapter by telling us his, like, thesis of all of his books. which Yeah, is like, right? Like, yeah, good people can do bad things, and evil people can do nice things. To which I was like, well, what the fuck about Magor the Cruel, bro? Yeah, like, right? This chapter opens with, with, the, the, with the maester being like, listen, sometimes good people do bad shit, and, like, Rogar Baratheon you know, in his last year's hand, like, maybe not the best, but, like, we sh- he we shouldn't forget he was a hero. And I'm like, what about Magor? Magor did good stuff, too, and was right. is also sympathetic because he had a brain injury and stuff, and all you would like is, like, he's evil and cuts up cats and has sex. Like, what? Right. It's almost like 
that Archmaester Gildane remembers that this is true about characters that he is sympathetic to. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> but it was just this very, like, I, yeah, it's literally the opening paragraph. Of, mm-hmm. And it's like, Martin going, the heart in conflict with itself. Remember, that yes. is what we're doing here. Yes. Like, thank you, George. Yeah, got it. Writing that down. <laughs> got forgotten. it. Citation. Okay, yes, I needed that. Thanks. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, so yeah. So yeah, this, this section, yeah. this section, we are recovering. Uh, if you recall, at the end of the last chapter, um, Jaharis and Alisan have gotten secretly incest married. Mm-hmm. and are living on Dragonstone. And so the first, like, chunk of this, like, a good part of what we're going to be talking today is, like, Archmaester Gildane going, well, how does everyone feel about the fact that Jaharis and Alisan have gotten married? Mm-hmm. How, how, do, how are people, how are we doing with that choice? Yeah. Let's, let's go through kind of the major players and see how everyone is feeling at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, with the understanding from his point of view, that he knows Jaharis and Alisan's marriage and rulership ends up being, like, really solid. Yeah, yeah. So he has to be like, listen, everyone was kind of suspicious and kind of worried and stuff like that, but, you know, eh, it's all right. It's right. okay. Right, and calling it, a, like, a sir fight of rulers is, like, not at all burying the lead. That, like, he's basically doing a thing of, like, all these people want power. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are they going to use it? Um, and it's going to get really complicated because this is also a family. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's a family drama and a political oh, drama at the same time. Oh, my God. It's almost like it's personal and political. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wonder what that's like. Oh, that's a new one for you, George. Yep. Um, so, Jaharis, like, again, this is high-level summary. We'll dig into what these things mean and whether or not we actually believe them. But according mm-hmm. to Gildane, Jaharis is mad at Rogar for marrying his mom. Um, and apparently also mad at Reyna for getting married, which is, like, news to us because he seemed cool with it last chapter. Zero percent true, but we could talk about it later. Sure. <laughs> um, Reyna also doesn't like Rogar. I love that Alice, that Alyssa's kids are just like, we hate our new stepdad. Yeah, they're like, the new stepdad is too... He, we're not into it. We're not into that. We're not into his toxic masculinity. Um, she's also uh, justifiably upset. That her claim to the throne was passed over by everybody. Mm-hmm. And throwback, last episode I think we were talking about the um, um, acrimony between Raina yes. and Alyssa. Uh-huh. And we, we, I think we looked we looked over this, but the text points out that some of Raina's resentment could come from the fact that her mom passed her over for the throne. And I think yeah. that's, a really, that's a really good point and definitely part of this. It is a really good point because Alyssa made a, like, clearly backed Jaharis. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Rogar is, uh, dealing with wounded pride and toxic masculinity from here on out. That's all we're going to get from Rogar. Just. Yeah. Yeah. And they say this is how the patriarchy constrains men too, because yes. he feels like he's just got to, like the text says he wants to go back to Dragonstone with like arms and like take the castle or whatever. It's like, dude, bro, come, you're not going to want you to capture the king because yeah. he said no to you. Like, yeah, seriously. Uh-huh. Um, he wants to stop the incest wedding. Um, that already happened. Yeah, that already happened. Sorry, bro. Um, the more the more I think about it from last episode, you told me you were like they they've definitely already consummated the marriage. I'm like, yeah, they did. 
They did, didn't they? Yep. And Rogar's yeah. over there just going like, nope, didn't happen. Sticking didn't my happen. fingers in my ears. Didn't la, la, la. Definitely not. Jaharis nope. is like, I definitely did not fuck my 13-year-old sister. Sure did not. Sure um, did not. So according to Gildane, Alyssa is, I mean, but this is, nothing in this section is really entirely new. Some of these were things that were talked about in the last section, but they're written about in a new way, and that's part of what I think yeah. we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um so he talks about how Alyssa is concerned with the faith, that the faith's going to rise up against what, according to Gildane, she continually calls the children. Mm-hmm. Um, Septa and Matthias does seem to be, to you know, raging against them. Yeah. But, like, he's there for, like, a paragraph, and then he disappears. Yeah. Um, and then there's some debate as to why Jaharis and Allison remain on Dragonstone and yeah. they don't announce their wedding. And we'll get into it, but they kind of just hang out on Dragonstone. And the small folks start to be kind of like, where's the king at? Uh-huh. And, uh, but everyone's like, ah, this is just reflecting on Dragonstone. Yeah. He's just thinking. He's on his thinking rock. He's on his grandpa's <laughs> thinking rock. <laughs> that might be my favorite part, where they're like, he is thinking and preparing for becoming yes. the king. And I'm like, sure he is. Yes. He does do warrior training to yeah. get good with the swingy sword. Right. Um, he wants to be the best fighter. He does want to be the I mean, look, I mean, it says that the text says that he's trying not to be weak like his father. He's learning from past mistakes. I mean, kudos to him. I hope that's true. I think uh-huh. it probably is. But we'll, we'll get into that more. Mm-hmm. And then the last bit is our, our girl Alyssa and yeah. her, her schemes. Yeah, her supposed yeah. schemes to yeah. send a bunch of female companions who... We can talk about this, Caroline. They are called companions, not favorites. And I thought of you and your note that, like, oh. whether or not favorites was ever used again. And there is a part mm-hmm. in the in the text where it's explicitly contrasted, where you have um, Alisan's companions, and like three sentences later, it will it says something about like Raina's favorites, and I'm like, aha, aha, the text knows. The text knows the text that like a favorite know. is a different thing than a companion. Yep. Um, yep. <clears throat> so. She is supposedly trying to bully Alisan into ending her marriage by being really pious. And the more I yeah, think about it, the sends, like dumber that sounds. She sends the Lady Lucinda, and we can get into this in the analysis. I don't think that was the move. That was the move to yeah. do this. Knowing, yeah, if you're sending uh, Lady Lucinda. Tracking Lady Lucinda through the story, that is also, that is, would be, what a great, like, one season miniseries Lady yeah. Lucinda's life would be with the red with the red dog and, like, uh-huh. the history here. Uh, so I don't think sending Lady Lucinda was the power move whoever decided to do this thought it would be. Uh-huh. <laughs> or it's exactly the move that they wanted. We'll or see. maybe it's the move that they wanted to make. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Okay. So, that's uh, that's our we, we did that actually pretty quick. Look at us, <laughs> we're, we're getting a little bit better. Uh, we're just like ten episodes or twelve episodes into this podcast. We're finally getting good at this. Um, <laughs> so, what was the maester thinking? Uh, he was thinking that um, much much like D, uh, David Benioff and D B Weiss, he thinks the women are catty. They are. But they just like hate each other. What you mean? All yeah. the time. Like, They're very offended about not being at each other's weddings. Yeah, like, he's so overplaying the amount of drama between the three Targ women that, like, he said, like, on the, at the very beginning of the chapter, he says, like, um, two sisters and a mother, the three queens were bound by blood and grief and suffering, and yet between them lay shadows old and new growing darker by the day. And I'm like, and then you tell me what? 
Alison has no feelings about any of this because she doesn't have feelings in any of this section. Exactly. Why include Alison as like one of the people with shadows old and new? Alyssa and Alison's relationship is fine. The only thing that's happened to cause any strife is this marriage. Right. And as far as we know, Reyna and Alison don't even have a relationship. They would be, how far apart are they? Like Reyna's almost 30 at this point, right? And Alison's... 13? 13? Yeah, they're, like, Reyna's almost twice as old. Like, yeah, at least I think twice Raina as is old. twice as old, yeah. Yeah. They, they don't have, they've never, like, really lived together. And the, the worst that could happen is that Reyna's upset. I mean, really, she'd be upset at Jaharis for taking her birthright, not Alison. And Reyna right. doesn't know about the marriage between Jaharis and Alison. So she probably has no feelings about yeah, Alison. Yeah, zero, than, like, zero feelings. My baby sister that I don't know. Right. Uh, <laughs> And even, like, yeah, and then, like, with Alyssa and Reyna, like, the whole, none of what he says in this section includes any feelings that Alyssa and Reyna have about each other. He dealt with that last chapter, and we picked those apart, about, like, this mm-hmm. is probably not just that they're, you know, not that so they resent section, going to each other's wedding, not going this, to each other's wedding. Oh, it does say, it repeats it, that, like, oh, yeah, they were, you know, they didn't go to each this other's weddings and they hate does, each other. Yeah, he does include that, but he does, I believe it's a section where he makes the point, though, that I was mentioning during the summary that um, uh, Raina would be um, oh, right. an- angry at her mom, yeah. resentful to her mother for passing over her claim. I do think that's a big part of this. And, and the yeah. fact that he even acknowledges that is, you know, pretty good. Right. Uh, I think he has to acknowledge it to continue to be like, and it's a good thing. Right. Yes. Because look at how look how important it is to the realm that your Harris and Alison took over. Meanwhile, Reyna would have been a great queen. Yes. Reyna right. would have been a fantastic queen. Uh-huh. Oh, my girl. I love her. Yeah. Anyway. So, like, yeah, he, so the he maester like, is very misogynist in this section. Yeah. He's, like, overplaying this, like, oh, yeah, the women, they all hate mm-hmm. each other. And I'm like, please give me more evidence, sir, than just, like, mm-hmm. and evidence that it is specifically targeted you know, like it, like all of the things he mentions that, and the things that we have talked about, like seem very reasonable and are not just like, oh yeah, the women hate each other. It's like, well, I mean, they're complicated. They're they're deep seated, complicated emotions. They are bound by trauma, you know, right. and that complicates anyone's relationships. And especially considering with Alyssa and Reina, you know, Alyssa's Reina's mom. Alyssa's yeah. supposed to protect her children. And I'm sure they both have complicated feelings about the fact that she couldn't right. protect Reyna. Right. I think that what part of what I'm getting at here is like the contrast between he, you know, he makes this this drama between the women sound so ominous. And mm-hmm. I'm reading this and going like, well, clearly the main drama is between Rogar and Jaehaerys. Yes. Yes. Like, what about the fact that the king and the hand are like not speaking <laughs> and are considering going to war with each other? Like... Like, right. that, that was, like, a legitimate thing that could have happened at, in 50 AC. Right. And, you know? yeah, and what he's actually, like, and instead of being like, oh, yes, the shadow's old and new between Jaehaerys and Rogar, he's like, well, remember, Rogar wanted to fight Magor single-handed, and that's, like, a really cool baller man thing to do. Yeah. So, like... Um, and Jaehaerys was thinking on his rock with his child bride, so yeah, what's wrong with that? and trying to become a badass warrior, so, like, yeah. there is nothing really to worry about. Or there's much less to worry about than all the drama between the women who are like, and you know, angry. At I each just, other. I think, I, I was gonna say this really in the analysis section, but I, I think it goes to this. Um, why does Jaharis at this moment 
choose to spend his time practicing arms. Uh-huh. Because of the threat from Rogar Baratheon. Right. That's what's happening. Yeah. He's preparing in case he needs to battle. Right. So it's not like, you know, I mean, the, the thing about like, oh, my father was weak, etc. I'll be tested too. Sure. But how will you be tested? The immediate looming test is that the hand of the king is at odds with you. Right. And he is a war hero. Right. And he, if you went one-on-one with him, you would lose, bud. Right. You know? Right. So that that absolutely is the actual driving drama here. And the maester's just like, he wanted to be strong and have prowess and, you know, show how great he was. It's like, no, he was afraid of the imminent threat of Rogar Baratheon. And he mm-hmm. was doing his best, everything he could to prepare. Right. Are you surprised that after Rogar Baratheon goes to Dragonstone with like a like a with force of arms to stop the wedding that Jaehaerys's response is like hmm, maybe I should train yeah maybe I should train and not only train but I train with like my king's guard mm-hmm. and I build bonds with them and I have the people in the yard watch me training and everyone's part of this and this is like a thing that we do and it's building loyalty and knitting us together yeah weird yeah so weird for him to do yeah so completely moment. unrelated to the, yeah. to the threat that, like to the one person that is a threat to his reign yeah, exactly. Huh. And, yeah, and I think oh it's the God. same. It, it's tied into, and we'll get into this more later, the reason why he didn't announce his wedding. Right. I think that's all, all part of that as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, okay, so what the what was the maester thinking? This is less what the maester thinking, but I want to interject here that I feel like sometimes Septon Barth is the voice of George R. R. Martin. Um, more Roderick, than any other character. Roderick the Reader is the voice yes. of George R. Martin. He's not saying a song of ice and fire. Yes, yes, but I agree with you. I think Septon Barth is. Yeah, the wisest, it's the wisest uh, hand to ever rule or some yeah. such thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. And also, like, Septon Barth comes up in this section that when we were talking at the very beginning that, like, this chapter opens with, like, a paragraph of, like, the, the heart in conflict with itself. Like, yeah. Septon Barth is directly quoted as... Like, saying, we are as the gods made us, Mm -hmm. wrote Septon Barth, the wisest man ever to serve his hand of the king. Strong and weak, good and bad, cruel and kind, heroic and selfish. Know that if you, know that if you would rule over the kingdoms of men. And I'm like, okay, George. Yeah, we get it. We get it. You are Septon Barth. (laughs) And also, Septon Barth was the one in the last chapter who was like, oh my god, Alisanne is so cool and I love her. Isn't she great? Yeah. That, like, now I'm going to start... Whenever I read Septon Barth says something, I'm going to be like, is this the voice of George trying to tell us how I think he it is. feels about his characters? I, I completely agree with you. I think, I think first of all, it's impossible to write a, a narrative fiction without having some kind of author avatar in there, even if it's subconscious. Like, even right. if you don't realize you're doing it. Uh-huh. Um, but I do think that George R. R. Martin tends to put these, like, really important bits of dialogue mm-hmm. into characters' mouths that are closer to him. Mm-hmm. Um, Roderick the Reader, Doran Martell. Yep. Uh, stuff like that, where... What's the, Roderick the Reader has that beautiful line about the crows descending on the corpse of Westeros, right? Yeah. Ooh, whew, I yeah. love that. Uh-huh. Uh, I just read that part in my, my reread of Song West Fire. Um, and I, I agree. And I think Barth is... is particularly interesting because he's a historical figure mm-hmm. so it's gonna be i think it's a really good thing for us to track as we go right. forward what kind of stuff he says and how the how the text treats him i think he's also the one who like wrote about dragons i feel like i remember him coming up occasionally as like mm-hmm. the author of some book about dragons 
I'm um, not sure. I do. I'll be honest with you. I get my masters and my septums confused. So right. I'm not the um, I'm not the best one for that. Um, but that would be really interesting if he is associated with like because I feel like he might have been the one. Um, hold on one second. You can pardon my clicky keyboard. I have a mechanical keyboard. It is very okay. clicky. Um, so yeah, Barth is the one who wrote the like. It's a book that comes up in. A Song of Ice and Fire quite a bit. Targaryen, like, I feel like Tyrion is looking for a copy, but it's, like, dragons, mm-hmm. worms, and wyverns, they're a natural history. So whenever mm-hmm. you see quotes in A Song of Ice and Fire, like, I think he, the quote about how, like, dragons um, don't have a gender, they are first one thing, then the other, changeable as flame. Mm-hmm. That, like, a lot of those quotes about, like, what dragons are like are, are from Septon Barth's book. So it's interesting. Oh, oh yes, yes, I think you were correct. Um... So it's, like, interesting that one of the, like, that if Septon Barth is the voice of Martin, it is also a way for him to talk about what, like, his kind of mythology of dragons. His world building, yeah. And his world building and how we're supposed to think about that. <clears throat> because, like, everything, and a lot of those, like, descriptions of dragons tie into the, like, Prince Who Was Promised prophecy like, the mm-hmm. fact that the dragons don't have a gender is part of what Maester Aemond remembers at the wall and is, like, that's why it's Danny. Like, mm-hmm. Rhaegar thought that he was the prince that was promised, but, like, the word in Valyrian doesn't have a gender. Mm-hmm. And so everyone assumed it was a man, but it could be a woman. And, like, um, Archmaester Aemond, like, starts to believe that, like, Danny is the prince that was promised because yeah. of... Eamon goes, oh my god, the patriarchy made us think it was a man. We yes. forgot the girl. Yeah, yeah. and like Septon yeah. Barth is where is where that discussion happens about dragons and their gender. So like, I, mm-hmm. it makes me think about Septon Barth in A Song of Ice and Fire as being like a source of Martin to provide in universe to provide his characters in universe with like his mythology to be like, stay hey, your vision, of- yeah. your idea of prophecy is wrong. Yeah, stay. <laughs> Hey, maybe it's the girl. Have you thought about it? Right. Have you thought about, like, ladies riding dragons? (laughs) Have you thought about ladies who ride dragons? Have you Mm. considered a woman? I personally have thought a lot about ladies who ride dragons. I mean, yes. Um, Yeah. um, So another lens, another lens (laughs) is that the women can't have power. And I'm so glad that you quoted this line because I'm so upset reading it oh it, my God, it's like Caroline. it was so it really truly was it was like this the the maester's talking about the three queens right uh-huh. it's like but but unlike Magor's queens like whereas Magor's queens had been consorts subservient to his will living and dying at his whim each of the queens of the half century was a power in her own right I don't even know how to begin to explain how 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 bad this sentence is <laughs> Like, because first of all, those queens absolutely murdered Magor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Eleanor Costine did not also, live and die at his whim. She straight up murdered him. Wasn't Reyna one of those queens? Yes. <laughs> She's now currently one of these other queens. <laughs> Caroline, how do you not understand that like if Magor is there, Reyna is clearly subservient to his will and lives and dies at his whim. But as soon as Magor's do- gone, she's a spooky scary lady. She has she has power in her own right now. I was like I And the best part of this is that the the text at least acknowledges that it's wrong in a footnote cuz it's like the three queens, you know, Alyssa, Allison, Reyna, blah blah blah. And then in a footnote it's like it should be noted 
must we be charged with omission that there was a fourth queen in Westeros? And then it talks about Eleanor. And she has like a whole life. This footnote. I'm like, this is incredible. Tell me more about Eleanor. She goes and checks on her sons. Like, huh? her, like her sons from her first husband who was horribly murdered by Magor. She goes and checks on her sons. She goes back and takes her father's seat. She like, you know, and then more stuff will happen with her down the road. But like, she does all this shit. And it's just like yep. in a footnote. Yep. I had that down in our Who Gets Shafted section, but we can talk about it now because I have feelings about it. Like, yeah, I mean... A, a direct <clears throat> quote from my notes in all caps is, thank you for remembering Eleanor in a goddamn footnote. I'm sorry, did she ruin your symbolism, Gildane? <laughs> if the symbolism doesn't work, we have to just put the fourth, put the fourth one in right. a footnote. That'd right. be fine. He's clearly just like... Oh, oh, right. Yes, there was a fourth. Like, I know I'm doing a whole thing because in the chapter beforehand, before he, like, you know, where the footnote comes, is he's mm -hmm. talking about, you know, Alyssa and Reyna and um, Alisanne. And he's doing this whole, like, mother maiden crone imagery where he's yes. got, like, the motherly yep. Alyssa and the, the sweet maiden Alisanne and then, mm -hmm. like, the Queen in the West, which, like, totally feels like a Wicked Witch of the West reference. Oh, it absolutely is. He's yeah, like, ah, yeah, oh, yes, yeah. the Queen in the West, far away, separated, is Reyna. Yeah. And he's doing yeah. a whole, like, Mother Maiden crone thing. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, oh, right, um, shit, the fourth queen uh, doesn't Eleanor. fit my symbolism, she gets a footnote. <laughs> Eleanor moved away, so we don't need to worry we about that. Worry about her. <laughs> And also, like, she's clearly not mad at everybody, so this idea about, like, all the queens hating each other is like, well, Eleanor doesn't fit that either, so he's gotta be like, put her in a footnote. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Just, like, the way that this is so clearly how history is, like, when you're trying to tell a story about history, and then you come up against the things that don't fit your story, you're like, oh shit, what do I do with those? Um... Yeah. Well, I don't want the other maesters to, like, you know, when this is going under peer review, I want to make sure that, like, <laughs> no one can accuse me of leaving anything out, so, like, oh, right, footnote. I'll put her in a footnote. I'm just so oh, mad I at him. Oh, I that it's gonna be peer review. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it's true though, and it's so it so encapsulates this this lens that we're talking about with that mm. you know trying to write women in history uh -huh. who clearly wielded power in a way that makes it look like they didn't, or like their power was somehow illegitimate, or their power was somehow like you know um, emotional, you know, like they they were right. mad at each other for weddings or this you know that kind of thing like really diminishing them uh -huh. like eleanor i think one of the reasons he couldn't include her besides the the imagery that you discussed um was that she, nothing dramatic really happened no. she goes and like makes sure her kids are okay they're all okay and then she kind of just goes home and like is mm -hmm. good yeah and thank god she she escaped this hard i mean she went through horrible suffering this poor yep. woman mm-hmm Probably murdered Magor the Cruel. That's what my eggs are in that headcanon yep. basket. Absolutely. And and now she gets to retire, and I like that for her. Right. And it's but it's not sexy. It's not spooky. Uh huh. It's not dramatic. And right. It's it shows so much agency that she's able to do that. Right. Right. That she's and she's able to just like say like, okay, now I'm gonna check on my kids and go home, and right. she does it. Right. And she's also not like a Targaryen. And this yeah. is enough, like, where we see the lens of, like, the maester is clearly, 
I mean, sure. This book is called A History of the Targaryen Dynasty. Sure. I grant you that. But mm-hmm. also, like, that's a, I mean, it's a choice that George R. R. Martin made. So, like, whatever. That's the, on the Doyleist level, this is a choice that Martin made to tell the history of the Targaryen Dynasty. But if we're just going in universe, Archmaester Gildane is making a point that, like, that's what he cares about. Right. If we're just looking at the Watsonian, like, if we're I mean, looking we at the learned... in-universe justification. Yeah. Like, but, I mean, we learned about plenty of people who aren't Targaryens. We know all about the Baratheons. Right. We know a bunch about the Valerians. We, I mean, as needed, we learn about other houses. Right. And other people. Uh, so it's like, it's, I think he just doesn't care because she's yes. a woman. Right. That's what I'm getting care. at. Is like, yeah. she's an interesting person mm-hmm. who had an interesting life. And suffered a lot. And he's like, yeah, 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 footnote. That's right. Like, she she lived happily ever after. We'll get back to her later. Um, yeah. That, like, he just chooses not to care. Right. Like, his, you know, purported lens is like, this is the history of the Targaryen dynasty. But, like, as you pointed out, he's willing to talk about, to give us, like, you know, a lot of stuff about Rogar Baratheon's family history mm-hmm. um, that we don't need to know. But, like... He's willing to go into that, but when it comes to, like, a woman who suffered greatly and probably killed the king that you seem to really hate, mm-hmm. you're just, like, hand-waving away, like, no, 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 her life doesn't matter. Whatever. Also, it would be different if, like, she goes home and retires, but in the footnote, he even says, like, she'll come up again later. It's like, okay, buddy, if she's gonna come up again later, you probably should tell us more about her, because she's gonna come up again later. Right. She's gonna, she's, stuff is gonna happen. Uh-huh. You know? It's similar to the way Lady Lucinda is just kind of, like, mentioned here and there. And oh we've had, like, pieced together this character. And it's, like, this woman is obviously has a lot of political agency uh-huh. and is influencing, like, a lot of shit. Right. And she keeps coming up. Yeah. Like, she keeps being involved in court life. And there's just, like, right. I mean, a skeletal frame of who this person is. Right. Yeah. She goes from, like, supporting one of the one of the rebels against Magor. She supports um, the Red Dog. Specifically, mm-hmm. she does. Um, specifically, she is the one who is talked about as, like, giving him aid. Not her husband. You know, it's, it's Lady Lucinda Tully. And then she, like... Her husband is brought to court as one of the, like, counselors, as part of, like, Jaehaerys's, you know, quote-unquote Jaehaerys's and Alyssa's project of, like, well, we can't just hate on the people who, you know, are enemies. Let's be nice to them. She and her husband, like, her husband is brought, but, like, she is specifically noted as, like, Lady Lucinda is coming to court to, like, serve as one of the counselors to King Jaehaerys. And then she is sent from there to, like be one of Alisanne's, you know, women, you know, as part of Lady, as part of Alisanne's cattery. Um, <laughs> um, which is oh, not a brothel, make, but just like. That joke will make sense when you hear the footnote. Yeah, when yeah, you hear yeah. the, not the footnote. The, Listen to uh, our Easter egg. The Easter egg. Um, she's brought in to serve as like one of the like advisors and women, one of the wise women around Alisanne. So like, Yeah. Tell me more about this woman who is, like, so close to, like, she's doing mm-hmm. powerful things and, like, is clearly central to a lot of mm-hmm. things that are happening. But all we know about her is that she's pious. I would love the story of her. Just, yes. again, again, there's so many things in here that would make, like, a great, like, ten episode miniseries mm-hmm. of, like, Lady Lucinda. Yeah. And, like, from the time, from, like, from her girlhood through the end of her story and just, like, observing court life or interactions with the Targaryens like 
like all like all, I completely agree like it's just fascinating i'm a hundred percent on on the lady lucinda and the red dog had a love affair train absolutely a hundred percent no doubt in my mind uh-huh um then the fact that she wants to be at court because she wants to be near her Kingsguard lover, uh-huh. you know, and the fact that I, as as far as I recall, they're never discovered. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't think that's in the text. Um, no, I don't remember. I don't remember what actually happens to Lady Lucinda because I don't. I think I tracked her in the text before, uh, so we'll have to see. Yeah, the text doesn't say anything about her having an affair with the Red Dog, but like I'm with no. you. I'm on, absolutely. Yeah. Right. And yeah, her coming had... to her coming to court to like like feels very much like when Jamie Lannister was like, Oh yes, I will become a King's Guard to be very close to exactly. my to my sister lover. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. And I I and I think she and the red dog, my headcanon for this, is that they fell it they're not just like, you know, hot for each other. Please stop. The Stitch. Your dog heard you mention dog. The red dog, I know. The red dog. Stitch, can you come back, sweetie? Uh, I'll edit this out. I'll, re- I'll restart in a second. Can we Can we stop barking at whatever stupid thing you're barking at? Hello. Uh, oh, did you did you defend the home? Thank you. Stop. So fierce. I know. So Good fierce. What are, you, what are you sniffing? Okay. It, yeah, I know it's a wire. Please don't touch it. Hello, I hate you. Uh, <laughs> My headcanon is that Lady Lucinda and the Red Dog fell in love because they had um, aligning moral character yes. and political views. Yep. And that was part of her supporting them. But, like, not that it was just, like, you know, you're sexy, I'm sexy, let's have sex. I think mm-hmm. it was, like, a, like a genuine, like, yep. like a genuine full-on romance kind of thing. Like, yeah. like we are... We are soulmates, but we but we are of different classes, and we cannot be together. You know, kind of right. thing. Right. Yes, My but they were they were al- they were aligned in resistance. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So mm-hmm. that's the there's from this section there are so many adaptations I want. That's one of them. Yep. Anyway, um, um, I okay, so, this is going to be very funny. This next part because I started taking notes about putting down one of the other lenses is that the maester is Jaharis is the bestest boy, and then I forgot to put any notes underneath it. <laughs> um. But I don't think I need to because it's just like everywhere. Like, yeah, this is the lens for the, the next boy. like three hundred pages, you guys. Like, Jaharis is the bestest boy. This is the lens for the rest of Westeros' history. <laughs> Jaharis is the bestest boy. <laughs> Everything he does is perfectly noble and wise, and because he is like the best king, even at fifteen, he wants to be the best knight. Like, I was thinking about it when you were talking about. Um, the lens that the maester puts on, like, why Jaehaerys wants to train is, like, he wants to be a good manly man, you know, good mm. martial king, because He's he knows He's definitely not the... terrified. Yeah, no, this, <laughs> this is not out of fear that Rogar Baratheon would kick his ass. This is mm-hmm. because, you know, he didn't want to be, like, his weak, non-martial father. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's so self-reflective at 15. Right. He's really good at that reflection stuff. Yep, yeah, really, he wants him. he wants to think and plan and um, always says the smartest things. He was the first to notice that Rogar was a bad dude and didn't like him and that shouldn't marry his mom. Like, it's just so convenient mm-hmm. that, like, Jaharis, whether he says these things or not, like, or really believed it, that, like, Jaharis is always the, like, I knew from the very beginning that mm-hmm. Reyna was, a, was, like, a bitchy usurper and ja- and that Rogar was a terrible hand. I'm telling you, he's he's the road less traveled guy. He's yeah. saying, wow, I picked the best road. Mm-hmm. Look at how good my road was, because my, my road got me here, so it was, clearly was my choice. Um, 
So, so let's talk about what really happened then. Okay. Wait, yes. There's so many things. Okay. <laughs> I, I just wanted to point out this, because I think uh, Martin does start the chapter with his the, uh, thesis for like the story. Uh-huh. But there's like another line that he says, uh, where the maester writes, the truth we submit is a deal less simple. Yep. And I'm like, wow, Martin, yeah. That's also like a summary of all of your books. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh-huh. And I think that's definitely going on here. So let's talk about Jaehaerys. There's a couple things with him. We get a little bit more about Jaehaerys not liking the marriage between his mother and Rogar. Mm-hmm. I, this section sounds more real to me. Yeah, I agree. Like, I yeah. still am kind of skeptical about, like, you know, Lord Rogar had never asked Jaehaerys for leave to marry his mom and that upsets him. Yeah, I'm like, that, what I don't 15 year old it. fucking cares about that? Like, no, that's the kind of stuff it. that I'm like, yeah, 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 sure, whatever. But yeah, it's the, it's the part where Jaehaerys thinks he's smarter than Rogar. Yes, that's the, I'm like, yes, that's what it is. That there is exactly is. what a 15 year old would think. You you're found not it. My re- you're not my real dad. Yeah. I think I'm better than you at this. You don't have to tell me what to do. That's exactly what's happening. Yep. 100%. Yes. That is the reason. I believe that. No doubt. Yeah, the, that, yes, the like, yeah, you're not my real dad. And then when he says, um, he did not need a second father and thought his own judgment, temperament, and intelligence to be superior to his hands. I'm like, oh, yeah, that, yeah, that's why Jaharis didn't like Rogar. He's like, yeah. you're not my real dad, and also I'm smarter than you. Yes. I think this also has another layer to it where, um, you know, him saying, like, I don't need a new father mm-hmm. is presuming that Alyssa is marrying Rogar to give Jaharis a new father. Right. But that's not the reason Alyssa's marrying Rogar. As we talked about last time, she mm-hmm. would be marrying him to really ensconce herself in power, which she super has at this point. Yep. She's the widow of the former king, wife to hand of the king, and mother of the current king. I mean, yeah. how much more, how much more entangled in this can she be? Like, how much more secure Yep. Can she be in her powerful position? Mm-hmm. Um, the other aspect of this here is Alyssa wasn't that old. Uh, you know, she might she might be down to fuck still, you know? She right. might like having a sexual partner. And as a woman in the patriarchy, her sexual partner has to be her husband. And right. there's no reason to think that the two of them, and, and in fact we'll get evidence later, that the two of them are sexually active with each other. It's not mm-hmm. just a political marriage. And I'm sure that's deeply disturbing to 15 year old Jaharis. Yeah. To think about the fact that his mom might be fucking. Mm-hmm. Right. Gross. Gross. Right. Yeah. Right. And also if she's fucking, that means that like if he doesn't get an heir first, mm-hmm. she if she were to have a son with Rogar, even though that's not like that child wouldn't be the son of the king. Mm-hmm. Um chances are if she had a boy he would be put forward before because everyone else is a woman you yeah. know like if something <laughs> if something were to happen to Jaharis, yeah. like yeah or if, if Jaharis had girls yeah. or Jaharis had girls like if mm-hmm. if Alyssa were to get remarried again and have a son mm-hmm. and Jaharis doesn't have any sons then mm-hmm. chances are good because it's a patriarchy that even though the child wouldn't technically be like the son of Aenys Targaryen that, like, mm-hmm. that child might, any boiled child that Alyssa has might be put forward as an heir. Yeah. Just yeah, because definitely. he's a, just because it's a boy and not any of the ladies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I definitely believe all of these reasons more over than, like, he didn't ask me for permission. Yeah. Like, no. Uh-huh. Has anyone, has, at this point in time, 
Has anyone asked Jaharis for permission to get married ever? No. Like, is he expecting this? No. Right. Because so, he's the teenage boy. He's the, And he's right. not, like, I mean, yeah, he's the king, but, like, I don't he's know. He's got regents. Yeah, he's in his regency. So yeah, he's, he's in his regency. Really the king. So. Right. You know, he's Simba in Lion King 1 in that first half of the movie. That's what <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God, yes. Uh-huh. That's where we're at. Right. Um... Yeah, and the whole, like, side note about, like, and also he was mad at Reyna. I was like, was no, he, he though? No, he wasn't. He no, didn't he wasn't. send the present. They sent the wedding gift. Yep. Yep. Come on. Yeah. Jaharis also felt that he should have been consulted about his sister Reyna's marriage. This feels like the kind of thing that, like, old man Jaharis might have said. That, like, 15, yeah. that, like, 15-year-old Jaharis probably didn't ever feel. But when Jaharis is, like, 80 years old and going senile is, like, listing all of the wrongs that women in his life have done to him is like and also my older sister never asked for purpose didn't consult me and i'm like oh my god just calm down grandpa i love your old jazz interpretation it's fantastic oh he'll come back i i think also as we watch jaharis's reign and maybe this is something we should keep tabs on by the end of his reign our boy jaharis has really gotten that misogyny, like, got bit by that misogyny bug. Oh, yeah. We don't have a lot of Jaharis misogyny in these early years, but by the end, we have a very heavy Jaharis misogyny going on. To yep. the point where at the Council of 101, as we know from the show House of the Dragon, um, you know, he, like, you know, gives it to Viserys over Rhaenys, uh... And, and, you know, he could have just said, no, we're doing Rhaenys. Instead, he has, like, a whole fucking, you know, uh, convention yep. for everyone to come and vote to, to pick the dude, you know? So the... Right, the and, as, and as if lens. there was any question about who would get picked is the thing. Like, when, like right. the whole thing about the Council of 101 is, like, they're definitely not going to pick the woman. This is a patriarchal, feudalist society. They're not going to pick right. the queen. Exactly. And so I think part of it is, like, we're dealing with the lens of the maester's misogyny. Mm-hmm. We're also dealing with the fact that Jaharis at different ages had different levels of misogyny. Right. And I, I agree with you. I think that's a really good observation that older Jaharis would have complained about this kind of thing. Right. But younger Jaharis had no fucking idea. He, he was playing he was playing Minecraft. Right. He was busy. <laughs> right. He was playing Minecraft with it, you know, in on his father's thinking rock. He didn't care that his older yeah. sister got married to some whatever. Exactly. He was just trying to connect to the Wi-Fi on Dragonstone. Like <laughs> He didn't have time for this other shit. Um, yes. So, yeah. In that section, definitely this feels like more accurate motives than we got in the last chapter. Um, also, same thing applies to Reyna. That, like, this section mm-hmm. feels like we are getting more accurate depictions of the motives for Reyna than we did when it was just yeah. kind of like, well, Reyna didn't get asked to her mom's wedding, and that's why she's upset. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no. I think it's more that she was passed over for the throne, maybe. I mean, right? (laughs) If you're going to be mad at your mom, it's not because she didn't ask you to her wedding. Mm -hmm. Also, does she have to ask you to her wedding when everyone in the kingdom is going? It's because she didn't ask you to take the Iron Throne. Right, right. She she gave the gaming chair to your younger brother, and it really should have been Mm -hmm. yours. Uh Right. If you know what it's similar to? It's similar to the resentments, resentment Stannis feels against Renly for Stannis being given Dragonstone and Renly being given Storm's End. Uh-huh. It's that same kind of, like, uh, it, it makes logical sense right. why 
why Bobby B gave Stannis Dragonstone and really Storm's End, but like it's still a slight. Uh huh. So like it makes logical sense why Alyssa backed your Harris because Alyssa was a woman born into the patriarchy, functioning within the patriarchy. The oldest boy is the inheritor, but it's still a slight because she could have. I mean, this is all fake. She could have changed it, and she could have said, "I'm backing Reyna, who has the, the dragon and the full-grown dragon and, and the adulthood." Right. You know. Right. Yeah. I also really like that in this section, it it calls out um, that her because we talked about last last episode about how um, you know we were speculating that Reyna probably you know one of the reasons Reyna might not like Rogar is because you know the whole story about the the sex workers and like deflowering virgins and like i wouldn't want that kind of dude marry my mom either sounds gross but Mm -hmm. also what we didn't bring up which this section does which i which i think is accurate is that um is that she doesn't like rogar because he also he didn't support aegon her first husband yeah which is such a good point that like rogar was willing to support jaharis and crown him king you know at the end of magor's reign but when Aegon the Uncrowned, you know, like, tried to stand up to Magor at the beginning, Rogar was nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. And, like, that makes absolute sense for Reyna to internalize that of, like, oh, oh, you're willing to back my baby brother, but, like, not my yep. husband. Yeah. Why was that, sir? Mm-hmm. Um, it does make him not trustworthy, I think. Right. Yeah. You know? Right. Like, I if think he's so dedicated to Targaryens, he would have supported Aegon. Uh-huh. Right. It feels like, I mean, again, I am reading between the lines here, but it feels like Rogar is with something like this and it makes you think, oh, was he only willing to back Jaehaerys because he saw a pathway to power that he could actually gain something with? That, like, Aegon's fight against Magor was doomed. Yeah. From the outset. Like, everyone looking at it was like, this is utterly doomed. I'm pretty sure even Raina was like, you are utterly doomed, husband. don't do this. Don't do this. Yeah. But by the time that, you know, Rogar is backing Jaehaerys, there is a clear pathway to power. Magor is on the decline. Everyone is starting to hate him. Um, He seems to be kind of losing it, like, losing his hold Mm -hmm. on power in a lot of ways. And Rogar could have a clear pathway to be like, no, 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 the real king, Jaehaerys. Everyone mm-hmm. will like him because everyone hates Magor. That yeah. like it. And I think also, yes, I completely agree. He saw this pathway to power. Part of it too is that at the time, Jaehaerys was not married to his sister. Mm-hmm. And Aegon and Reyna were being rejected by the faith. Yep. Right? That was a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Rogar Baratheon is part of Westeros. He's someone who practices the seven. We don't know how pious he is. But you don't even have to be super pious to be like, wow, I don't like incest. That's a pretty easy one <laughs> to not to be like, yeah. to be like, let's not. Like, let's, because like none of the religions in Westeros uh, allow for incest. So that's more a cultural thing than a religious thing even. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could imagine him also just like, maybe he didn't like Aegon and Reyna because he also didn't approve. Right. And he didn't approve of their kids because their kids are incest abomination babies. And he said, ew. Yeah. He, he said, Please don't fuck your sister, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is not an unfair criticism. And I think that that could have been part of it, too, is that he was kind of he didn't like that aspect of it and couldn't bring, you know, maybe he's a Targaryen. Maybe he's not a Targaryen loyalist so much, um, but he's he wants a ruler that he likes, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. And when given the option, 
to like foster Alyssa, Jaharis, and Allison. Right. He saw that path and was like, yeah. "Ah, yes, this is. I'll just wait." And eventually, these are the people. They have two dragons. I got three mm-hmm. Targaryens, two dragons. You know, this is where this is the way it's going to go. We just got to kind of bide our time, right? And one of the ends, Jaharis was a boy. Like, and yeah. by boy, I don't just mean male. I mean he's a he's young. Yeah. And so, Je- mm-hmm. so like Rogar could set himself up to be the hand and the regent. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that was in the back of his mind that that, that Gildane never really comes out as says is that Rogar seems to have been setting himself up as the natural leader in this situation. Like, mm-hmm. the cynical part of me is like, wow, how kind of you to foster the young Targaryen boy that you could mm-hmm. eventually, like, you know, ingratiate yourself to, set yourself up as someone that he looks to for advice and authority, mm-hmm. and you become the hand under his regency. And then maybe when, you know, he goes out of his regency, he still relies on you, and he looks to you to make decisions, that he's trying to make himself the auto like, he's right. thinking of himself the way Otto thinks of Viserys is like, ah, yes, like a pliable, good-natured right. king that I can, you know, make do whatever I want. And mm-hmm. then I get to be the real power because mm-hmm. he's just a little boy. That, like, the cynical part of me is like, this is really, really, like... I think... I don't think that's wrong, though. I think yeah. that's that's what happened. I mean, I'm sure it's more complicated than that to the extent that, like... I'm sure he eventually developed actual, like, some amount of actual yeah. care for these people. I guess my question following that is, that was the plan. Yeah. Why didn't it work? <laughs> At this point, Jaharis is 15, and he's like, you're not you're not my dad. I don't need you. I'm smarter than you. Like, why didn't it work? Because he was with Rogar from the time he was literally a boy. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't Rogar naturally fit into that father role? Some of it might be personality. And we don't really know enough of, Jahar- like, really enough about Jaharis's personality yet um, to know. But some of it could be personality. that He just, like, wasn't as naturally easygoing mm-hmm. as someone like Viserys is. Like, Viserys is clearly just like, I just want to be a dad and I want my family to love me and I don't want to make decisions. Like, yeah. that's his personality. He just wants mm-hmm. to be, like, he wants to be, like, the, the local dad who, like, grills out for his family and everyone comes over and has a good time. Like, look, yeah. I love Jaharis. He's a sweet boy. Oh, not Jaharis. Mm-hmm. I love Viserys. He's Viserys. like he's yeah. like a sweet boy who makes a terrible king because he just yeah. wants to be a dad. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and like a like a gentle dad. He just he wants to be like the fun dad. Um, mm-hmm. and we don't. I don't think we see enough of Jaharis to know whether or not he had a similar kind of personality. Um, mm-hmm. that could be part of it. So some of it could be personality. Um, also, I think that some of it is that. Alyssa and I think that we will see Alisan have opinions. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I think I completely agree. I think it could just be like natural compliance. Some people are naturally more compliant than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could also, I think a large part of it is the fact that Alyssa was so present with those two. Mm-hmm. She was, I mean, she was never without them. Yep. Right? They were at, at no point where they separated uh, that we know of. Mm-hmm. And Alyssa. And the background is one of our smart cookie Targaryens. Mm-hmm. Actually, I mean, she's Valerian, technically, actually. Right. Um, and certainly she knew the power that Rogar was seeking. Oh, yeah. You know, certainly she knew, like, you're doing us a favor, but you're doing us a favor. Right. 
and we're going to forever be indebted to you right. for doing this thing. So I'm sure she could like see his political ambition and they obviously eventually figured out how to use it for her own gain to mm-hmm. remain in, you know, ensconced in King's Landing. Uh, but I'm sure she just told Jaharis. Right. They probably just had conversations where she was like, people will try to use you to climb for power. Look at Rogar Baratheon. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, he's not your dad. He's your political appointee. Right. And you have to maintain that relationship because you have to understand that he's always going to want these things from you. I'm, I'm sure she just had blunt conversations with him about that. Mm-hmm. Right. Because why wouldn't she? Right. Why not? Right. And what yeah. makes Alyssa so interesting is that she is also doing a similar kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, but she kind of has a legitimacy to do it because it's her son. Right. Right. So, like, they're, they are inextricably tied politically to each uh-huh. other. Right. They can't be separated. Right. So... Uh, Whereas Robot Baratheon is kind of coming in and manipulating the situation. Right. Yeah, and I could definitely see, Alyssa said, understanding Rogar's ambitions. Also, he, a thing that makes him different from Otto Hightower is I don't think that Rogar is necessarily the sharpest knife in the drawer. No, I think Jaharis is right that Jaharis is smarter than Rogar. Yeah, like I agree with you, Jaharis. Like yeah, Rogar yeah. has ambitions, but he's not clever. I'll put yeah. it that way. Like, he's not politically astute. Um, his understanding <laughs> of politics is, like, a, about what Robert Baratheon's level of understanding of politics is. Is like, politics is, that, like, who's got the biggest sword and can swing it the best. The Baratheon family, from what we've seen and what we know in the future, is very heavy on, like, military prowess. Uh-huh. And that being their political advantage. Yes. Which is one way to politic in this kind of... Mm-hmm. In the feudalism, right, under feudalism, feudalism yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, cleverness, not so much. No. No, he's yeah. not a schemer. And I think as we are seeing with Alyssa, mm-hmm. that um, in this particular political environment with some, uh, with Jaharis and Alizan, I think the scheming is going to be um, more successful than the martial mm-hmm. prowess. Um, I think over, overwhelmingly in in the court, uh-huh. the scheming is more more important than the martial prowess. The martial stuff comes up when wars happen, and that, that happens occasionally. Right. But the overwhelmingly, it's these interpersonal uh-huh. politics. And it's almost like maybe the women are really important in that. And maybe they get overlooked because the text doesn't think about how martial prowess is really actually not the main mm-hmm. thing when it comes to ruling. Huh. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, I think before we move on to Alyssa, because I really want to talk about Alyssa, I'm so fascinated yes. by her, um, was just, like, the note that, like, in this section where he's talking about, like, again, I believe everything that he says about Rogar. Like, he was humiliated. He resented the boy came for beating him. Like, all of these things. I was like, yes, yes, yes. This all makes sense mm-hmm. for Rogar. Um, he has wounded pride. He is a toxically, ma- like, he's a very stereotypical, toxically masculine man under this particular kind of patriarchal feudalism. So mm-hmm. having Jaharis tell him no, and, you know, even though they didn't fight, like, he would perceive it as, like, he beat me on the battlefield, mm-hmm. would, like, deeply wound him, and he would be resentful and be like, well, well, now I gotta beat him back, because, like, my yeah. my honor has been damaged. My perceived honor has been damaged mm-hmm. under feudalism, and, like, I have to get it back. All of that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, but yeah, the way that the, the like, Archmaester Gildane is like, but, you know, 
He's not that bad. Remember when he wanted to fight Magor in single combat? That's a good thing to do, right? I'm like, is it? <laughs> he was a hero, Gretchen, okay? Listen. Like that he's he... going... <laughs> Go ahead. He did so many hero things. And we have to remember, even though in this last year of his handship, he may he might in the future fuck up really badly. Uh-huh. Uh, and maybe do something that gets him exiled from the court. I don't know. But if he does that, just remember, he was a hero. And we can't, you know, uh, the good does not wash out the bad, nor the bad the good. Okay? Listen. Right. It's just that his definition of be a hero is he wanted to fight Magor. Like, not even that he did. Yeah. Just that he wanted to. He, he would have. wanted to fight Magor in single combat. And that is enough he to, like, redeem totally him. A hundred percent would have done it. No questions asked. <laughs> and Did. the thing is, I believe it. Like, I absolutely believe that Rogar would. Like, this is not a, like, he, he was... would have died. But yeah, yeah, he would have done it. <laughs> he would have done died. Right, but this is not a, like, oh, he's just bloviating and, like, you know, oh, yeah, I want to fight him in single combat. Like, no, he would have. That is how Rogar solves problems. Like, yeah. I believe it. It's just a funny... It is... Like, such a clearly in-universe reason for why we should think he's a good dude. That, like, when, you, when you're when you actually reading it, you're like, no! That is not a reason to, because like, justify had, any of his other choices. He had martial prowess and would have used it against the guy we decided was bad for using his <laughs> martial prowess. Okay? Listen. <laughs> it makes sense, damn it! <laughs> it's only good when Rogar does it, okay? No. Well, that's that was my note about this, was just, like, like okay, why is it, like oh, we have to be careful about, like, judging Rogar and understand that people are morally gray and this is complicated. But for Magor, it's, like, he's he's evil all the time. Mm-hmm. Or, like, any woman that we encounter, like, um, Tyena, uh-huh. you know, was the same thing. She was, like, evil and terrible and good thing she was tortured, etc. And and that happens with women throughout the story where they're just, um, what was the lady, not the red dog, the other lady that existed at the same time? Oh, yeah. Um, Poxy Jane Poor. Poxy Jane Poor. Or pool? Poor. Poor. It's poor. poor. I'm getting it because poor. there's Jane Poole in Jane the, Poole, in the yeah. and Fire. Pox to Jane Poor is just, like, relegated to the sidelines and, like, oh, you know, she was a bad outlaw and she gets hanged or burned at the stake or whatever it is yep. that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it's like, I'm, well, I'm pretty sure she was morally gray. I have a feeling she was more morally gray than Rogar Baratheon, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that maybe, maybe that's, maybe she should be given some more credit than he is. So, yeah, it's just another symptom of the very heavy patriarchal misogynistic lens we're doing with. Right. And it's so hypocritical. It's so hypocritical. It's just so wildly hypocritical. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, so Alyssa. Alyssa. Oh, our Alarian. girl. Oh, my God. She's so interesting. Oh. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Did she? So, my main question about Alyssa is this whole section is like, She's trying to undo the, like, the whole justification that the maester comes up with for sending, mm-hmm. for, like, creating this, like, little woman's court to send to the, Alice. The wise, the wise woman. The wise she women. sends on the boat, the wise woman. Yeah, 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 yeah the wise women. Do, do you get it? Maybe ship names have funny meanings, teehee. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They're all, like, symbolic. Maybe they're always, yeah. like, thematic or symbolic. We will get to that later. I, I wonder if someone will name something a funny lesbian joke later. Tee-hee. Yeah, teehee. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, Gildane, like, the only motivation he can come up with is, like, well, Alyssa is also secretly trying to undo 
the incest wedding. Like, we know that Rogar's mm-hmm. trying to undo the incest wedding. Like, very, like, like with a hammer. Um, yes. He's a hammer. And, like, but he's, he's like, well, to break but, it. Yeah. yeah, he's trying to break it. But, like, maybe Alyssa's, like, trying to be, like, a scalpel and just kind of, like, you know, like, cut it neatly mm-hmm. apart. That's the mm-hmm. only motivation that he can think of to ascribe to her. Which is very weird to me because at the end of the last chapter, Alyssa's whole thing was like, what's done is done. Mm-hmm. I can't undo it. So I'm like, all right, which is it though, sir? Like, the, at the end of the last chapter, you were telling us that Alyssa was like, look, the children have made their decision. Um, we probably shouldn't fight it. But mm-hmm. I am worried about them. So maybe I should try and do some things that might minimize the damage that this might do to the faith. But she mm-hmm. seemed to kind of embrace that this was inevitable. It's done. They've already gotten right. married. We can't stop it. We can't do anything about it. And yet, and yet, in this whole section, he's like, well, she's clearly trying to undo it. And I'm like, mm. But is she? But is she? But is she, is okay, she trying so the, to undo it? So the text says that Alyssa sends this, like, she wants she wants Alyssa to have a court, basically, at mm-hmm. Dragonstone. Yep. And, uh there's a couple of notes made about Allison's upbringing too, which apparently Allison was like, she always had companions and like servants, but she was never allowed to keep them for very long. Mm-hmm. And there's like a note about how like Alyssa um, wouldn't let her keep friends because uh, her sister Raina's penchant for showering an unseemly amount of affection and attention on a succession of favorites, some of whom were considered less than suitable had been the source of much whispering at court, and the queen did not want Alisande to be the subject of similar rumors. So it's like, if you let your daughter have too many friends, she might be gay. She might be gay. So you have to cycle out those people. Otherwise, you might make her gay by giving her friends. I, I wish I had known that. I wish I knew that if I was just really good friends with girls, they would become gay. Yeah. That would be uh, great. <laughs> this is one of those things that, like, is presented really matter-of-factly, and then I start to think about it, and I'm like, how lonely must it have been to be Alison then? Exactly. We could, yeah, we could talk about Alison more and her And her then, like, no but... wonder she attaches so strongly to Jaehaerys. He was probably the only consistent human mm-hmm. being in her life who's not her mom. Yeah. The yeah. only person she was allowed to maintain a friendship with over the years mm-hmm. would have been her older brother. Yeah. Because exactly. her mom is like, oh no, you might be gay. We can't let oh, you no. have long term friendships. But then it's like, we, oops, I guess I I guess I Aly- pushed you towards incest. <laughs> Alyssa said, uh, what's better, love is love or incest? Um <laughs> And she picked incest. And she picked um, incest. So Alyssa puts together this like group of women mm-hmm. to go to Dragonstone and the un- the the maester says this is supposed to be like the you're saying like the s- secret schemey plan. Um, I'm going to send all these very pious women there and it's going to like influence Alison to realize that her marriage is against the faith and therefore she'll want to undo it. Thus and such thing, which is in mm-hmm. contrast to what was in the previous section. So these are the people that she sends. Uh, the formidable Septa Isabel, two well-born novices of Alison's own age, the lady Lucinda Tully, mm-hmm. our girl. Yep. Um, uh, her younger sister, Ella of House Brune, mm-hmm. uh, Lord Celticar's three daughters, other girls of noble birth, uh, Janice of House Templeton, Corianne of House Wild, and Rosamond of House Ball. Mm-hmm. So a whole group of, like, noble girls that are, like, allegedly very pious, 
which Lola, Lola, Lady Lucinda, um, from a variety of houses from a variety of places around Westeros. Yeah. What else could be the motive for sending them there other than to change Allison's mind? What could it I don't know, Caroline. Be? The only thing I can think of is this is about, you know, I cannot imagine any other motive than just like, man, send a bunch of pious ladies there and Alison will magically be like, you know what? I don't want to fuck my brother, actually. Right. I'm going to change my mind. I, a 13-year-old, am just going to magically change my mind because a bunch of religious people are like, what you want is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Because the Pope said don't do it. Exactly. I care a lot. Um... So I think what we're getting at here is that the other motivation for doing this is to make people that are close to the faith like Allison and Jaharis and be accepting of them. Yes! Yes! <laughs> right. Oh my god! <laughs> like, yes, this is to get people who are close to the This is about winning support. Right. And all of this makes sense. That it would be you're choosing women from around Westeros who will mm-hmm. be companions to the queen and eventually go back home. And tell everyone mm-hmm. how wonderful Alisanne is, what a sweet, lovely girl she is. And mm-hmm. also, um, one of the things that I noted is that um, it feels like it could also be, like, additionally, is, like, when the wedding is inevitably announced. Because I think Alyssa, it's pretty clear that Alyssa's like, all right, this is going to happen. How, yep. do I, how do I mitigate the possible impact that this will have? Mm-hmm. Is also, like... You want to surround one of the, at least one of the people there with a bunch of pious people because when the wedding is inevitably announced, you could be like, but look, look, all of her, look at all of the pious, how could this possibly be bad? Because all of these pious people of the faith, mm-hmm. Allison is surrounded by people who really love religion mm-hmm. and they all seem to like her. So how could this possibly be bad? Like Exactly. And they're going. Yeah. Lady Lucinda's going to go to the wedding. Uh-huh. These other highborn girls are going. Uh-huh. It means all their highborn families are going. Right. This Septa and her two novices who have been there, mm-hmm. you know, who may, may at that point have gone back to the Starry Sept, right, to become real Septas or whatever the process is, you know, are all talking about how great these two are. Mm-hmm. This is about you starting know, the Targaryen propaganda is, machine. Yep, yep, it is. Yep, it is. And I think what, what clued me into it, reading it, because my first read through, I just took everything at face value. Yeah, like yeah, it's just a show. I didn't uh-huh. really thought that hard about it. Tracking Lady Lucinda, yes, really helps. Because when I was reading this, when I, I, I was like, okay, well, okay, they're sending these. She's sending a, these people to try to turn Allison's head. And then I, I saw Lady Lucinda, and I'm like, well, Lady Lucinda's not going to help with that. From what we know of Lady Lucinda, <laughs> she's someone who has like a lot of agency. I've headcanoned her having a, a romance with the Red Dog, the King's Guard. She's, like, not a woman who is actually really pious. She's hiding her political resistance and her political views mm-hmm. behind a veil of piety. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not, tr- like, truthful. It's not the kind of piety that the maester is making out to be, at least. Right. Um, so I'm like, Lady Lucinda's not the person to send if you want to no. scare someone into being pious. That's the wrong person. No, if you want to talk I someone out like, of... Wait a minute. <laughs> if you want to talk someone out of what the faith would consider an inappropriate sexual relationship, you do not send the woman Don't who is probably fucking the... Fucking the Kingsguard. Right, exactly. And I'm like, wait a minute. But it makes sense if, one, Lady Lucinda would go because who's going to be on Dragonstone the red dog is gonna be there <laughs> yep uh-huh she, she she going um 
two, she it probably makes volunteered. Sense. Yeah. Uh, two, it makes sense if you want to have someone who you can tell everyone, oh, she's known for her piety. She's no that is what she is known for. Right. And but you also know that she's very politically active. Mm-hmm. And she's strong enough and has enough agency to push issues. Right. Right. So she can be an actor for you in pushing this narrative of this targeting propaganda machine that oh Allison and Jaharis are are good. This is a good thing actually. Targaryen exceptionalism. And also I'm thinking about it as like what a good choice for our smart cookie Alyssa to send as a potential mentor to Alysanne. Mm-hmm. That like yeah. when she's all like she's gotta also be thinking like while this marriage is going through Alysanne doesn't just, you know, need to, they don't just need to be perceived well. Um, We don't just Mm -hmm. need to start the propaganda, like the propaganda machine. But like, Alysanne needs guidance in like how to be a queen. And like, who better Mm -hmm. than someone like Lady Lucinda, who like, at least in terms of Alyssa, the way that Alyssa understands women under patriarchy is like, find a window in your prison. (laughs) You know, like, Find a way to have power without other people knowing that you are wielding power with, like, keeping it really subtle and behind the scenes. And, like, given that that's how she understands the power of women under patriarchy, Lady Lucinda is a natural choice to send to Alysanne as, like, you could probably learn some things from her. Because... Absolutely. Because... A hundred percent. Yeah, the thing that everyone knows about Lady Lucinda is she's pious, but, like, because she's called Lady Lucinda, well-renowned for her piety, like, five fucking times... Like that's yes. the thing everyone knows her for, and yet, I mean this this lady she dispatched Lady Lucinda Tully, the wife of the Lord of Riverrun, whose fierce piety was renowned renowned throughout the land. Yeah, you cannot mention her. Nope. Without them saying she's pious. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, which mm-hmm. means that like Lady Lucinda has a really good marketing campaign for herself, yep. and yet is clearly the power in the Tully family right now. Mm-hmm. So like, exactly. that is. Like, none of this makes sense the way that Archmaester Guild, or, like, the Maester is describing it. Like, none of this, like, it's one of those where I'm like, did you really think that would work, though? Like, if this is really what Alyssa was planning, it was a bad idea. Um, It would be really obvious. Mm -hmm. Because that's the other thing that I'm like, oh, yeah, Jaehaerys and Alysanne, like, welcomed the women with open arms. Did you really think that they would do that if they had any suspicion Mm-hmm. You know, like, it seems really weird to me that if this was really, like, a schemey scheme to, like, undo the wedding, that, like, Jaehaerys and Alysanne wouldn't immediately know it for what it was. I also just think, like, Alyssa, like, if she really wanted to undo it, the the best shot she would have would be what she was talking about doing that Rogar stopped her to do, which would be going back to Dragonstone by herself and talking to her kids. Mm-hmm. That would be the best shot she would have of changing their minds. Right. 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 Um, oh, that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to talk through that about. Yeah, how, I know we want. We both uh-huh. want to talk about that because, like, that would be like realistically, she has a good relationship with her kids. Mm-hmm. This is the first time they've done something that they all disagree on. She could go there and sit them down and be like, "Listen, it's it's ultimately your choice. I can't stop you, but I'm really concerned for these reasons." Mm-hmm. And explain and say, you know, like, I get that you two are are in love or whatever. You've always expected to be married. But it's so wildly dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like, you shouldn't do this. And then if they still say they want to be married together, it's like, okay, well, then let's come up with, mm-hmm. like, a plan to, to to figure this out. And she wants to go back and do that. And Rogar, Rogar stops her, quote-unquote. Yeah, quote-unquote, Rogar from stops going. her. Mm-hmm. And what's that horrible, that horrible oh sentence my God. That, <laughs> that the maester says that makes me want to tear my hair out? 
Um, oh, Septon Barth wrote, writes it on page 150. Um, uh, the, I so disagree with right you, after. George. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we disagree, George. Um, so this is just after the Queen wanted, uh, Alyssa wanted to go to Dragonstone and Lord, Ro- Lord Rogard forbade it. Um, for, and so then Septon Barth wrote, That Queen Alyssa wished to do the right thing, no man should ever doubt. Sad to say, however, she oft seemed at a loss as to what that thing might be. Mm-hmm. She desired above all to be loved, admired, and praised, a yearning she shared with King Aenys, her first husband. A ruler must sometimes do things that are necessary but unpopular, however, though he knows that... Oh, I can't say that Opprobrium. word. Opprobrium. Opprobrium, there we go. That's our SAT word for today. <laughs> <laughs> though he knows that opprobrium and censure must surely follow. These things Queen Alyssa could seldom bring herself to do. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh-huh. Are you mad? I'm mad. I'm real mad. I was <laughs> I'm real mad. I was really upset by this. I was like <laughs> I read it and was like, Whomst? Who are you talking Whomst? about? Whomst? What do you mean? The, the woman who's the mother of the king, the widow to the former king, the wife to the hand of the king, who is regent of the realm, who was running the kingdom. She has a hard time making decisions, Gretchen. She just wants everyone to love her. She just everyone to love her. What Genuine question. What has Alyssa Valerian ever done to make everyone love her? She had a real fancy wedding. <laughs> she did. She had, you know what, you're, uh, it's in the <laughs> throw out my analysis, done. <laughs> I mean, truly, what the fuck is he talking about? Where did this come from? <laughs> This was one of those, like, after I had written in my notes about, like, oh, Septon Barth, the voice of George R. R. Martin, I got to this and was like, wait a second, though. If George R. R. Martin is telling me that this is how I should feel about Alyssa, then, like, no. No, I don't think he is. No. I think, I think the, I think the reason this exists is to be, it's so, um, like, this, this passage juxtaposed in the middle of the story of Queen Alyssa from the past few chapters and the oncoming mm-hmm. chapters is to highlight how bad their history skills are. Yeah, yeah. And how dense that misogyny is. Right, right. This is the kind of benevolent misogyny that's like, oh, she's just a lady. And she, she didn't want people to, to be mad loved. at her. Mm-hmm. She yeah, just wanted she to wanted like to be. But she wanted to be loved just like her, just like her husband. Uh huh. You know. Right. Because part of, I mean, part of the game that Maester is playing here too is that he can't disparage Aenys too much. Right. Because Aenys is the way that Jaehaerys gets legit mm-hmm. legitimization, which is how the rest of the Targaryens are. So you can't be too hard on Aenys. Right. Um. So I mean, he's. I just like this. This makes me so mad. Right. She didn't know what that was. I mean, and no wonder the Maester wouldn't think. That sending the highborn ladies to Dragonstone was a political move. Mm-hmm. Right. No wonder he would think it was some kind of like cons- conspiracy, secret spy thing. Uh-huh. Like... Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and that the whole part about like a ruler must do things that are necessary but unpopular. I'm like, right, like Alyssa trying to make everyone in the realm okay with incest. That's right. like literally right. what she's doing. The thing. <laughs> she's trying to make everyone okay with incest. That's what she's, that's what Alyssa's doing right now. And you're saying, oh. well, Alyssa would never do that. I'm like, no. You're describing it. You're the one. It's you. You're writing the words. <laughs> she's doing the thing it's, right now that you're saying she would never do. It's very um, funny. Also, the, the point about, like, you know, Lord Rogar forbidding her from going to, I mean, I, 
This is one of those quotes that I'm like, I don't know if Rogar said this, but I believe he had this attitude about, mm. like, you know, if you go crawling back to Jaehaerys, the boy will never listen to you again. Like, that's exactly the attitude that Rogar would have of, like, well, you yeah. can't prostrate yourself. Otherwise, mm. he'll, you know, be dismissive and never value your insight. I'm like, are you projecting a little bit, Rogar? Like, that's absolutely what's happening. 100%. No doubt in my mind. That's how he feels about it. Right. And Alyssa doesn't go. And I had a question about, like, well, why didn't she go? And, and I yeah. wondered if some, I mean, I think she thought it was the smart choice, but I have mm-hmm. also begun to wonder if there was a little bit of, I'm wondering if she's aware that her husband might be potentially violent. Mm-hmm. That like, yeah, I am wondering if some of this was like play that like Rogar is so heated at this point. He's like angry mm-hmm. And clearly wants to do violence. Yeah. That I am suspicious that some of her choices might be about placating a potentially, maybe not in actuality, but someone that she might see as potentially domestically abusive. I agree with that. I think also Alyssa is is one of our smart cookies, mm-hmm. but she's not as headstrong as like Reyna, for example. Right. So, like, if Raina wanted to go to Dragonstone and Rogar was like, don't go, Raina would be like, fuck you, now I'm especially going, yeah. as you said. Like, <laughs> I will increase uh, the fucking uh, thing. Yeah, I will I will do it even harder. <laughs> Alyssa is much more like Alicent uh-huh. from House of the Dragon, right? Alyssa's that in that role where she she is decorating the window of her prison, right? She's putting the flowers in the basket. She's mm-hmm. cleaning the glass. She's shining up the bars, you know? Like, she's making sure it looks very nice. But she's in that prison Mm -hmm. and she will function within that those confines and defying your lord husband's express order is not something in her wheelhouse it just isn't no so i'm not at all surprised that he said no and she said okay instead i'm gonna send Mm -hmm. instead i'm gonna do something else yep i'm gonna do something else that you lord husband won't notice right right and that you will actually think will serve what you your purposes It's very, it's very funny. We'll talk about this the next time uh-huh. we record uh, the things that Rogar does in comparison to the right. things Alyssa does. But anyway. Um, so uh, that brings up a question, yeah. I guess, of why do you think that Alison and Jaharis didn't announce the wedding? You said you had thoughts about that. I do have thoughts on it. I think it's twofold. One, I think the text says one of the main reasons, which is that Jaharis was just waiting to be in his majority. Uh-huh. So he wouldn't have to deal with this whole regency yep. bullshit. Um, yep. That's a really practical reason, too. I think he was genuinely very afraid of Rogar Baratheon uh-huh. and needed to the time to wield, to um, build up his martial prowess. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that, he, that's what he started doing right away. <clears throat> he started, you know, because he was looking at it and uh, had just been directly threatened mm-hmm. by, the, I mean, directly threatened by the hand. And Rogar Baratheon has men. Yep. He's got, you know, he could be a problem if the king is not ready. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a combination of those things. I don't think it was like, I, I don't think it's more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. You don't think it's because this is a king who never acted without thinking? No, I don't think that's <laughs> <what> it. <laughs> yeah, this is another one of those Jaharis is the bestest boy because he always has the best possible motives. So it's he couldn't possibly yeah. be afraid of Rogar he couldn't possibly be, like, biding his time. Like, he has to be, like, um, I 
think part of it too is maybe Alisanne, because like you know, how did Alisanne feel about it? Mm-hmm. Asked not the this maester. Yeah. Um, Alisanne probably also and Jaharis, I expect too. They had a good relationship with their mom. They probably were, they were probably emotionally upset that she was upset with them. You know, like when you have a good relationship with someone and they're mad at you, even if you don't think you did something wrong, like it's still disturbing. And they probably were hoping she'd like come around, mm-hmm. you know, and she does eventually. Right. Well, they're not wrong. Uh, as I'm sure part of it was just, you know, they're, they're already mad about it. I'm not even technically really king. Um, I also would die if we had a sword fight. Mm-hmm. Let's let some time pass. Let the dragons get a little bit bigger. Practice our swords. Learn. So we know that Allison's making Jaharis read and like learn shit on yep. Dragonstone. You know, let's like prep. And be, like, truly actually ready for this when we have to do this. And that makes me wonder if maybe Alyssa had encouraged them. Like, we're talking about how, like, that, like, Alyssa had encouraged them to, like, take this prep time. Mm. Because we're talking about how, like, Alyssa is sending all of these, like, women to surround Alisande in order to, like, best prepare to make it so that when things are announced, people be like, oh, yes, we love the incest. It's great. We love mm. the incest couple, our favorite romantic incest couple. Ooh, but I'm yay. just wondering whether or not she's doing that secretly or whether or not Jaharis and Allison are in on her plans. Oh. Um. And if it's possible that she might be communicating with, at the very least, Allison about maybe what the best way forward is for them to make this, to, like, make the announcement or the wedding or like the you know make Jaharis Jaharis's like coming into his authority the best possible that, or whether or not like they're would, doing separate plans that happen to align that would explain why Allison greets everybody on when the the ship arrives mm-hmm. and she's like very nice to them but that could also be explained by the fact that like Allison's like well I'm going to use my charms to win these people over mm-hmm. like she might she might think her mom is sending spies right but she's like you know it doesn't matter because I'm going to make them mine anyway. Uh-huh. Um, or it could be that they're in communication. I hadn't thought about that. I don't know. I think we have to look for more in the text to see. Mm-hmm. At minimum, at minimum, Alyssa is is giving them that space. Yep. Because she stops Rogar from going to Dragonstone. Uh-huh. And then she herself doesn't go and nobody else does. Right. And she doesn't write to them and say, like, hey, the small folk are looking for you. Like, people are starting to get suspicious. Like, like she just... Mm-hmm. gives them that space and, and kind of ensures that they have that space right so but yeah maybe they are having communications i'm not sure yeah i think that if i i like that idea i don't know if it's what actually happened but i think that if i were writing an adaptation of this i might mm-hmm. add a scene you know like you have the scene in the yard where rogar is confronting Jaharis and being like give up your sister wife and <laughs> you know that big confrontation that they have that like if i were writing this i might put a tiny scene of Alyssa and Alisan talking where Alyssa's like, I can't, you know, like, I can't outwardly defy my husband, but know that, like, I support you and I'm going to do everything I can to make this work for you. Mm-hmm. And Or even something more subtle, like, mm-hmm. in that, like, within the same scene, you know, she says what's done is done. Uh-huh. Like, if she looks at both of them and is like, what's done is done. And, like, gives them a face, you know, like... Right. Yep. Right. And then a few months later, I'm sending you some ladies, you know. Yeah, here are some ladies. That, like, yes, that there's... That somehow, whether directly or not, 
Alisan and Jahari's are aware that their mom is on their side. Yeah. And so I like that. And so don't question what Alyssa does. You know, mm-hmm. like they aren't immediately suspicious of Alyssa sending a bunch of women, which like I would be. <laughs> right, I would be too. I'd be like, these are clearly spies for the Red Keep. Right, my mom, you know, my mom's husband totally disagrees with my marriage and suddenly my mom is sending me a bunch of ladies, like, you know, the Kill Bill siren should be going off in these children's (laughs) heads. Yes. Um, And yet they're not. And so that makes me wonder, like, are they somehow aware that Alyssa is on their side? Um, Mm -hmm. And so are accepting it, that it's not just like they're naive children who just like are totally, you know, are like, I will not look this Trojan horse in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> I like that. I hadn't. I had that had not crossed my mind, but I like that interpretation of that. Huh. I think that's how I would write it too mm-hmm. for an adaptation. That yeah. makes sense. Um. Okay. I feel like I know we're. You know, we got to talk about Alisan a little bit, and I put her under who gets shafted because, like, mm-hmm. for as much as the maester is trying to be like, I will tell you about Alisan. He tells me like nothing about Alisan. <laughs> Yeah, he just well, speculates he with, like she probably had a, a septa and some court friends the way well, that other ladies that, do. He's like because she was the youngest and she was a girl, everyone forgot she was there, so <laughs> nobody <laughs> wrote things down <laughs> about her. No one cared about Alisan <laughs> until she was the queen, so we don't know what her childhood was like. Right. So I kind of think this is interesting though because Alisan as a queen i think like just from my my knowledge of fire and blood and as by fire is a unique targaryen queen mm-hmm. and i i'm my question is is there is the relative anonymity of her childhood the cause of that the fact that she you know she was obviously always a targaryen princess or whatever but she didn't grow up like in court mm-hmm. in like the red keep in the same way that like reina or sorry rainiera does mm-hmm. um, in house of the dragon She's not, like, the focus of anyone's attention at any time. <laughs> right. And she kind of has the most, what what I would call the most, quote-unquote, normal childhood, as, as much mm-hmm. as you could be normal in feudalism, um, of any of the Targaryen princelings. Mm-hmm. And that kind of reflects throughout her life, the way she interacts, like, with the small folk, for example, and... Uh, just different people in the way that she she's kind of calm and she's chill she's not you know overly fancy with things and she's nice and she's very close to her brother um mm-hmm. you know she she's thoughtful she's as we've been over she's a nerd she's bookish and that kind of stuff and i think that the fact that she's like she's like a celebrity's kid who, like, was very well shielded from the paparazzi. Yep. You know what I mean? hmm And I think that affects her characterization. Yep. I also think she was the she is the most likely to have absorbed Alyssa's patriarchy brain. Which is the thing we the can mo- talk about. Okay, the most likely to have absorbed Yeah. More, I mean, definitely, yeah. like, more likely than Reyna. I mean, because, yeah. I mean, one, because Reyna, like, she had a different childhood. She had a, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I think that that... I think I, like, I agree with what you're saying. And I think it also means that she would have been at least more likely to have absorbed Alyssa's perspective on how women under patriarchy gain power. 
Yes. Yes, I agree. And I think, just like we were talking about before with Joe Harris, how as we watch Joe Harris's life, his misogyny increases. Uh-huh. Alison's decreases. Yeah. Alison questions over her life that internalized misogyny mm-hmm. as she gets older. Um, to the point that it causes strife between the two of them, as we'll get to in later chapters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's like, she starts with the internalized patriarchy, you know, the patriarchy brain right. framework. And slowly deconstructs that mm-hmm. over her life right. which like same <laughs> <laughs> and and it, i think you're right she she got that from Alyssa. not that it worked for Alyssa, you know like i get why like sanja got that from catlin right because mm-hmm. the patriarchy worked very well for catlin yep. the way that everything should have worked out worked until right, until uh, it did wedding until it didn't <laughs> Uh, it's almost like it's very unstable and you shouldn't just embrace society as it is and not question it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it didn't exactly work for Alyssa, but it didn't also exactly not work for Alyssa because, mm-hmm. again, we talk about she's like in this very big position of power. Right. So, but yeah, I could see Alyssa teaching Alison like the most important thing is who you're going to marry. You know, you're a Targaryen princess. We're going to, you're going to have a wonderful lord. Your sons will be lords and knights. All that same shit that Sansa's told. Mm-hmm. And... Alison being like, yes, but with Jaehaerys. Right, right. But they instead of lords, they will be they will be princes and future princes. kings. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but like this is just one of those where like, um, as I said at the very beginning when we were talking that in this whole thing where he's like, look at all of these rulers and all of their conflicting motives, and like Alison doesn't have a motive at all. She has no motives. She, she has no agency. What was Alison mm-hmm. thinking while all of this was happening? At, did not you know archmate said archmaester Gildane never like right, right that like you if you took this at face value you would come away with like thinking she's like basically a non-person yeah that she just like exists she's there she is also here but she doesn't make choices like mm-hmm. jaharis is the wisest bestest boy king who's like making all of his own choices but i'm sitting back here being like well alison was the one that told them they need to study yeah so the idea that she's over there going Oh, I just want you all to myself on Dragonstone because eventually everyone is going to want things from you because you're king. So now I just get mm-hmm. to, like, have you all to myself, which is, like, really romantic. And, like, I don't – I'm not saying she didn't say that because, like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Maybe they really did love each other that much. And she was, like, you know, I get to have you now for mm-hmm. the next year. And, like, after that we're going to be rulers. And so we will never get to have this, like – time together kind of like when mm-hmm. couples get married before they have a baby they're like you know this is the time we have together but eventually we're going to have children and we will not see each other again right for like, exactly. for, you know for like 18 years but like there may be some truth to that but also i don't think that alisanne was just like a swooning maiden going oh i get no. to be with my brother lover like she was the one who's like all right we got books we got things to study say- we got shit to do here jaharis I think Allison says it's important for me to have you all by yourself now because we gotta fucking learn Valyrian. Sit down, we're doing it. <laughs> let me uh, let me break out the history of the dragons for you. Hold on, mm-hmm. this this one. And he's like, please let me go fight swords with my bros. And she's like, you need to fucking study, right? Yeah. Can you even do sums? <laughs> yes, exactly. Like I had a joke later on in the ties to a song of ice and fire, just because um. And I will bring it up here that, like, Jaehaerys doing this sounds like Rhaegar. Like, the description of, like, Rhaegar was, like, a bookish nerd. And then he read a scroll and one day was like, looks like I gotta be a warrior. 
let me go find uh-huh. some shit that I would like. My brain was like, did Jaehaerys find the Targaryen dagger of destiny? And was like, I must be a warrior. Oh my God. <laughs> he found the Targaryen dagger of destiny. And Alicent is in the background and she's like, but the Valyrian word for dragon is genderless. It could be me. <laughs> but the only reason and i thought of that because i was like look if he found the dagger of destiny the only way he would know what was written on it was if alessandra's like look you gotta fucking read valyrian if you're gonna know how to read what's on this dagger <laughs> he like won't study it she's like but look at this cool knife he's like yo what does it say and she's like what does it say i don't know you tell me <laughs> sound it out what's the first letter <laughs> Tummy dagger to teach Jaharis how to read Valyrian. Oh, look, that's my favorite headcanon. Yeah, look, if we're gonna have to live within like the the world established by the by House of the Dragon with the Targaryen dagger of destiny, then I will accept this. I don't want to live in that world. I, oh, I still man. maintain they were doing the best that they could with what Game of Thrones handed them, which is like admirable to God try bless. and make something make sense out of that mess. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah. I love that. Yeah. He found the Targaryen Dagger of Destiny and she was like, well, you have to tell me what it says. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he would come, he would come back from training the yard beaten and bloody. And she's like, um, quick, decline the Valyrian verb <laughs> for, you know, to go to war and all, you know, and all of its gender. Like, I don't know whether it's like he, Latin. But he I, would like. He would like come in and be like, "Oh, you'll never guess what happened today." And she'll she'd be like, "I can only understand you if you speak yes. it to me in Valyrian." Yeah. Uh huh. He'd be like, "Oh, maybe I should undo this marriage." <laughs> <laughs> um. After they when they were laying in bed after they were done making out naked, but definitely oh. not having sex, she would be like, "Let me read aloud to you from mm-hmm. the Valyrian grammar," and. You know, or no, you can't make out with me unless, you know, you got a vocab quiz before we make out. A hundred percent. That's what was happening on Dragonstone. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no swooning. No, just like swooning maiden. She was planning. She was doing stuff. And and Mm -hmm. Archmaester Gildane is completely uninterested in anything that Alessane might be doing. Um, Right. And it, exactly. it like it intrigues me that he isn't even willing to speculate. Like he's super willing to speculate about how all of these other characters are thinking and feeling. But like mm-hmm. Alison, he's just kind of like, I don't know. She's like a thirteen-year-old girl. She probably had a pretty normal thirteen-year-old girl life. Yeah, nobody Whatever really that looks wrote like. about her. Yeah, I don't know. Nobody really wrote anything about her, and she like had a dragon that one time. But I don't know mm-hmm. like, what's, what's going on. Right, but like back to Jaharis and fighting. You know, smashing his swords right. and getting beat up and the game yeah. the game of long live the king. That was hilarious. Which is really funny. Like I appreciate yeah. that. It's just that like for as much as he like waxes eloquent about what Jaharis is doing as Alisand, he's doing on Dragonstone, he's like, and Alisand is there, you know. <laughs> she's like existing. on the sidelines, like they're like long live the king and she's like, Sand and Valerian <laughs> <laughs> Right? Yeah. She's a I'm bright but teach un- you about adverbs. <laughs> yeah, and that he just like make he's like, I don't know, Alison was bright but unremarkable. Small but never sickly. Courteous, biddable with a sweet smile and a pleasing voice. I'm like, yeah, it's just adjectives. Yeah. You're just listing a bunch of adjectives because you don't actually know what she was like. 
Right. And you're like, I bet exactly. that, you know, Jaehaerys was the best boy king. And so he must have the best wife. So she must have been the the best little girl. The the per- the epitome of what a little princess should be. Like the whole but thing, but like she was We know from the text that she wasn't like particularly beautiful. Right. I mean, he says that specifically. Mm-hmm. You know if she was, he would start with that when she had the the silver beaten, silver gold hair and uh-huh. lavender eyes of a true Targaryen. Like, oh my god. Yeah, but the way he calls it like courteous, biddable, sweet smile, pleasing voice, I'm like, oh, you just trying to make her like a like the epitome of femininity. Yeah. Because you don't know what else to put there. He doesn't know what to do with a woman who rides dragons, okay? Because this one can't be spooky and scary. Nope. Because this one has to be has to stick around for a long time. Mm-hmm. This is the, is this the first younger sister to a king who has a dragon too, after Rhaenys since Rhaenys. Because Aenys's wife was Alyssa, right? Then and Reyna was a- an older sister. Reyna was an older sister because yeah. so, she was she was paralleled with Visenya uh-huh. a lot in her descriptions. Yeah, and so Alysanne is. Parallel to Rhaenys. Mm-hmm. Yep. She's safe because she's younger, so she can't challenge the succession. Yeah. Right. So she gets mm. so she gets to be beautiful and you know, like, you know, eventually, but she gets to be like winsome and everyone loves her and she's mm-hmm. sweet and like she's the nice one. She's the pretty one. She's the feminine mm-hmm. one. She's the one we all like. She's not the angry resentful older power hungry sibling and i'm like well maybe women get like that under patriarchy because they should be in charge or maybe they are in charge and you just don't notice right right and you (laughs) maybe visenya was ruling the seven kingdoms and you just didn't notice right yep but yeah no i like that you're tying like that she gets to be these things because she's younger so she's not a threat she's not Mm -hmm. a threat to to harris's power because she's a younger sibling yeah so there's no way that she could possibly rule because Mm -hmm. she has an older brother but like an older sister is dangerous yeah so you have to write them like they're dangerous so first requirement to be a spooky scary lady one older you must be an older sister to be spooky scary Mm -hmm. two maybe you have like a queer aspect to you yep yep Mm -hmm. three dragon yep dragon yep yeah boom Mm -hmm. there you go Spooky scary lady that's the mix um yeah, I mean, and then, so, another tiny note that made me think of A Song of Ice and Fire, because we've been weaving these in and out, when it talks about the younger mm-hmm. queen, made me think of the younger, more beautiful queen prophecy. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that too when I saw that. Uh-huh. Yep. I don't think it means anything. I just think Martin sometimes likes to throw in, like, tiny little things like that, that are like, oh, yes, a younger yeah. queen. So, what, speaking of A Song of Ice and Fire, uh-huh. we have themes. 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 themes so many themes. themes. Um... I'm just reading your themes that you wrote here. Yeah. Well, I just have one in this section. Do you want to, yeah, do you want to explain it? Yeah. I haven't thought about this. Okay. So one of the things that, that, so the thing that I thought of the most in this section was um, intergenerational conflict and the patriarchy, which is, we kind of, we've been kind of hitting at it in different ways, but I wanted to bring it up specifically, like the way this section delineates the conflict between the older and younger generations, like, cause we're seeing Mm -hmm. that there is a, like a, intergenerational conflict happening we've got queen Alyssa, we've got a mom and her two and her children and rogar Mm -hmm. though he's not really a dad he's an older man and we have jaharis as a younger man so we've got this conflict between like parents and children um and like 
especially for the women, it ties into what we've been saying about the way that women relate to power under patriarchy and seeing that as like a generational conflict. It's just that this section lays that out in a kind of generational way, which is interesting mm -hmm. to me to think about that like Alyssa is sees the only way under patriarchy is that like finding a window in her prison. Right. And then she's got two daughters, one of whom is blatantly like, no, I could just well, not have a prison. Burst, she burst out of that prison on her dragon and said, peace. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like in, like, with um, Rainey's in the dragon pit is like, um, yeah. mm -hmm. I'm going to take my dragon and peace out, yo. I don't have to be a part of this. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. No more prison for me. No more prison. And as we will see yeah. with Alice Ann, as you were talking about, that, like, Alice Ann finds her way to a you know less make a window in your prison it like takes a little bit longer but like mm -hmm. i am interested in the way that like unlike house of the dragon which because it makes alicent younger it's no longer mm -hmm. an intergenerational conflict um that in between alicent and rainier and rainiera because in the source yeah. material alicent is older so it still fits yeah. that model of, like, you have a woman who's lived longer under patriarchy being like, this is the only way to navigate it, and a younger woman being like, no thank you. Yeah. That, like, House of the Dragon, as much as I love the adaptational decision to, like, make Alicent mm -hmm. younger because then it creates, like, a romance, a romantic tension. Yeah, we love that romantic we lo tension. I love, yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Fill my body with it. Um... <laughs> It it erases what I think part of what Martin is doing throughout Fire and Blood, which is, like, every now and again, he posits this, like, generational conflict between, like, not necessarily always a mother and daughter, but, like, a similar dynamic of, like, an older woman who has lived longer under patriarchy saying, the only way out is a window in my prison, and a younger daughter saying, and a younger woman going, nah, I think there's a way out. And, like, that I, I think I could, mm -hmm. like burn the tower or like break out i don't have to live in this prison and that that creates tension between the two of them in a way that like mirrors our own history of the development yes. of feminism yes and i think it's very much about how women enforce the patriarchy on each other yes yep. and um and that leads to our overarching themes both of ours yours about the targaryen family being Wait, what's your overarching theme? That the Targaryen family is a microcosm yes. for all of Westeros? Uh -huh. And mine about the disempowerment of women disempowers us all. Mm -hmm. The fact that, yeah, there I can like off the top of my head think of several of these these kind of relationships that you're describing in mm -hmm. Fire and Blood. Right. And ultimately where we went where we end up is a situation where the patriarchy at the time of A Song of Ice and Fire is even more toxic and even more misogynistic. So it gets mm -hmm. worse over time. Yep. Even though there are these women who are trying to fight against it, they're never they're not successful, at least as of a song of ice and fire mm -hmm. proper. Um and part of that is men putting them down, and part of that is women reinforcing yep. those rules. Yep. And yeah, I think that's definitely something that he that we're starting to see here now that we're fifty years into the Targaryen reign. Mm -hmm. We can start to see it at this point. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and actually, like, that's a really good, I'm glad you brought up A Song of Ice and Fire, because that pinged my brain to say, like, a really good example is what you brought up with Kat, 
Kat and Sansa. Yeah. And Arya. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a really good encapsulation. It's the same dynamic, actually, as what we're seeing here. It's just that mm-hmm. Arya is the younger sibling. But otherwise, you have, like, a mom who's, like, deeply committed to making a mm-hmm. window in her prison. And mm-hmm. one daughter who's like, fuck your prison. I'm going to do whatever I want, who's Arya. And then another daughter who's like, buys into the prison for a while. And I think that we will see by the end of A Song of Ice and Fire that Sansa is going to, like, I think we will see with Alysanne, like, started to deconstruct the ways that she accepted patriarchy as a prison from her mom. Yes. And found a way to, like, break free of that prison, but in her own way that is not necessarily as, like, at face value defiant the way that Arya would just immediately like yeah no I'm not into this I think if we're using a tower metaphor for this prison which I love Mm -hmm. you have people like Rhaenyra Reyna Arya who like burst out of the prison yep right they're like fuck this prison boom Mm -hmm. um and then people like Alison and Sansa I imagine where Sansa's story will go it's it's more that they like found they like noticed the door yeah and like figured out how to unlock it and, like, went down the stairs and, like, can leave, but also still kind of can always come back. Yep. You know, like, they, because they still function, like, Alison, as we'll see as it unfolds, never, she never fully rejects the patriarchy. Right. She doesn't, like, try and claim the throne for herself. Right, yeah. You know, she isn't, she's not like Reyna, you know, she's, she still uses tools of the patriarchy, but she's more critical of them and questions them mm-hmm. more in the same way Sansa is realizing like hey maybe this chivalry stuff is bullshit yep. and like this whole knights and maidens thing is is just a construct and I it's not the ultimate truth of the world mm-hmm. Alisande goes through a kind of a similar uh, thing but doesn't doesn't completely deconstruct it mm-hmm. where and then there's some people that like deconstruct it like Brienne of Tarth I wouldn't say Brienne bursts out of a prison. Mm-hmm. I would say she she took it apart because she had to. Like, her nature would not allow her mm-hmm. to fit. She, she couldn't live there. Right. So she deconstructed it and built something new. Right. Out of the pieces. Right. But she didn't feel the taking need this to... Metaphor, like, I'm taking this metaphor as far as I can take this metaphor. Right, but, like, <laughs> she didn't feel the need to burn it after she left. Like, right. some of the female characters definitely feel the urge to be, like... Not just, I don't have to live here, but also, like, I'm going to burn the fucking thing down <laughs> as much as I can. Like, I'm so upset that I was even forced to try and live here that I'm going to just turn around and burn it. And Brienne, mm-hmm. most, like, you're right, just kind of, like, leaves and is like, well, how about I build something else instead? And, like, I, I don't or have to have... burn it. I can just become something else. Right. Or and, or you have someone like Cersei who's like, I escaped, but someone else is going in. Mm-hmm. You know, Cersei's like, I got out, but... Uh, Marjorie, you're going in. Right. You know, someone uh, someone else has to replace me. Yeah, inside. that, like, she... Yeah. Yeah, she got out of prison, but is, like... Because I suffered in prison, someone you else... You suffer some, in prison. You will suffer in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, she doesn't feel the... She also doesn't feel the need to burn it after her because she's so angry that she had to suffer that she wants to see someone else suffer the way she did. Right, she just wants to use it. Mm-hmm. She wants to use the prison against someone else. See, this is why that line from that episode of House of the Dragon was so good. Oh my god, it's And so I good. stand by it as like the best line. Yeah. And I know it was a little bit non-responsive in the conversation they were having. 
But that line was so good. You just want a window in the walls of your prison. Yes, exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Whoever wrote that, get get give that person an award. Yeah. Get them a get them a get them a cookie for me. Yeah. Somebody. No, I we <laughs> keep coming back to that line. It's like it was a line that just like yeah. As soon as she said it, I was like, oh, that's so good. I felt that line viscerally. Yeah. Uh-huh. When I watched it for the first time and she said that, I think I literally grabbed my chest. I was like, ooh. I was like, oh my god. <gasps> you see me. You see me, writers of House of Dragons. Oh, it's just Rainey's being a queen. Rainey. Love her. Yes. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to like bring that out as like specifically a generational conflict that like reflects the way that feminism has developed in our society and that often the ways yeah. that older women, like you said, older women become a means of reinforcing patriarchal systems for a variety of reasons, sometimes because they can't see a way out, sometimes like Cersei mm-hmm. because they they're so bitter. Like, they are bitter and angry at the way they suffered, that they, that they, and they, that they don't want to let go of that suffering. Like, they, they're so angry that they can't imagine someone else not suffering in the way that they did. And I think that we see that a lot. Um, Even now, we're seeing it, I think, in the discussions, not just about women's rights, but also about, you know, queer people and trans people, that you have a lot of people going, well, I had to suffer Mm-hmm. so you should have to suffer and if you, like i you know i think also about like college debt anyway this is an aside but like the way that like old people I was are, about college debt too yeah <laughs> yeah i had to pay back thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt so you should too and i'm like well i mean no no yeah. actually um but yeah he's he's i think that martin is positing that this becomes intergenerational that like yeah. patriarchy is an inter is not just like a societal conflict it becomes an intergenerational conflict because of the ways that people under patriarchy experience it differently and then they come into conflict with each other um Mm -hmm. i'm not sure and i can't answer this question now i'm not sure what he's trying to teach us about challenging that because of the fact that Mm -hmm. as of a song of ice and fire it's the worst it's been but I wonder if that's going to be the point of A Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah. That whatever happens in A Song of Ice and Fire severely disrupts that whole system. Mm-hmm. So, I don't, but I don't know. We'll need to wait another 20 to 30 years for the remaining books <laughs> in A Song of Ice and Fire. <laughs> right. 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 And, like, I have, like, to wrap up, there is an intergenerational conflict between Rogar and Harris, like I said, but it looks different from it. Oh, yeah, them. Yeah. Like, it looks, and that's the thing. It's so much more direct between the dudes. The dudes are just, like, because their struggle is not with, like, how to navigate finding and wielding power under an oppressive system. It's literally like who gets to have the most, like we are, we as men are entitled to power, but I want the most. So right. It's just like a really direct conflict between like an old man being like, I "I want the most power. And the young man being like, no, I have the most most power. (laughs) I have the sword. It's like Mickey Mouse. Gosh, what I love about us is that we spend so long talking about the women and we have almost no interest in the men. We have the opposite lens of the maester. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the, the maester, like, only cares about the dudes and we're like, whatever, they have swords, but the ladies. Right. Hold there on. are, like, three pages that talk about, like, Jaehaerys swinging his sword good in the Dragonstone Yard. And I just, like, could not be bothered. <laughs> there's a picture. Yes, the there's only no picture. Stitch. The only illustration in this chapter, and like you had mentioned in our, I think our last episode or previous one, that um, what if these pictures are in verse? Like what if uh-huh. these pictures are the illuminated copy of the text? Thinking about it that way, the only picture in the chapter is of him swinging his sword gun. Yeah. That is, yep. There's so many people. Right. Yes. So many things. 
Why can't I have a picture of Alyssa and, and Raina together? Come on. I just, I just, why can't I have a, anything but that? Anything at all. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. All right. <laughs> we've, we've talked a lot, so. <laughs> yeah, almost pretty much two hours into this. Yeah. Um, well, I'll cut it down a little bit because we, we had uh, many Easter eggs. We did. But, uh, uh, but yeah, so thank you all for listening. Um, the next section is going to be the next 10 pages. So we stopped this time. Or, so next time we'll start at the bottom of 166, 156. Sorry, And now, unfortunately, we must give some consideration to a certain distasteful book. Yes. Yes. Which we're very excited oh to God, talk I about. Oh, we're, we're, like, we're like buzzing. And we're going to stop at the 167, the paragraph that ends with, we cannot remain here, she confided to her dear companions. Mm-hmm. Right. So that'll be the next episode. Right. Um, going to be talking about a email com- us. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, if you, sorry. If you want to email us, our email is uh, houseoffireandbloodpodcast at gmail.com. Oh, we got a, we got a comment. We have to talk about the comment <gasps> yeah, we got. Yeah, that's Wait, right. I got to grab my phone to get the comment. So, I took a picture of it. So we we are we are not actually that good at this podcasting thing. And just so you guys know, we put um, the podcast on like a website that pushes it out to all the others. And so consequently, we don't get notifications when people comment. We have to kind of manually check. Um, and I figured that out last week. So um, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, we did I didn't figure wonderful... it out at all. So you were ahead of me. <laughs> we got a wonderful comment on the iTunes app um, from a. Aliaria Sand. It's A L Y A R I A. Aliaria. Aliaria Sand. Uh, and they wrote knowledgeable, passionate hosts, and thoughtful, at times appropriately critical analysis about the Song of Ice and Fire world. What more could us anti-imperialist, anti-patriarchy, anti-oppression GRM stands ever ask for? A spoiler-free chapter-by-chapter discussion of Fire and Blood. Thank you. And I thought that was very nice. Thank you. I'm glad we have at least one person who thinks that we're not. Uh, just rambling uh, into the ether. Yeah, that's very nice. Aliaria. Aliaria. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that, but we are probably butchering your name. But we appreciate you. That was fantastic. It's a really pretty name. However, it is. Um. So if you guys, yeah, any any emails, if you guys have stuff, we have a couple of guests uh, lined up in the in the future. Mm -hmm. And any other comments or ratings, it really helps. Helps push the podcast out to people. Um. My my deep like desire is that somehow someone over at house of the dragon hears our podcast i know it'll never happen but it'll be really cool if it did so if you like it and share it or whatever uh that would be super cool or don't uh if you got this far on the episode you've already done more than we could ask for so right right uh, until next time remember if you let your daughter have close friends that will in fact turn her gay Mm-hmm. I mean, I had some some close friends when I was a kid. That turned out oh shit! Is that what happened to me? Oh no! We had friends, Caroline. <laughs> ah, that was, that was ah. the fatal error. Oh, I should have just had a septa. It would have been great. Yep. Also, remember that sometimes the facts ruin the symbolism, and that's why we have footnotes. <laughs> Listen, it couldn't have been the four queens, okay? We had this maiden mother crow thing going on. <laughs> there is no fourth female 
deity the of the stranger. seven aspect of the seven that we could associate with with the stranger uh, eleanor could have been associated with the stranger especially if they leaned into her killing magor and alas anyway the maester did not know that so thank you guys for joining us and we'll talk to you next time bye everyone Uh, tell me more about this cat, Otto. You want to explain? Okay. About- yeah. So she's a purebred Devon Rex. This, this cat. is Gretchen's cat. Everyone. This is my cat, Anna, who I just got talk- to see on this on the Zoom. And yeah, it's awesome. she Anna's decided to walk excited. across my desk to come find her way onto my lap, which is where she is now, and will probably be there the whole recording. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is what she does <laughs> every day because I work from home. She sits on my lap. Yes. Um, while I work. She has a very hard work schedule, too. She has to come sit on your lap all that time. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I will actually usually find her. I have a cover on top of my my laptop keyboard because I kept finding her sitting on my laptop keyboard waiting for my work day to start. And she has definitely deleted things, restarted oh. my computer with her butt. So I have like a glass cover that sits over my laptop keyboard. And now I just find her there every morning when I'm ready, getting, you know, when I'm about to sit down mm. for work, I will find Anna sitting on my, the glass cover on top of my keyboard. Uh, That's just hilarious. Just waiting for me to sit down so she can sit on me. Um, she's a little bit obsessed with me. Um, very deeply attached. For people who don't believe You're that cats so... are affectionate, like, I would like to introduce you to my cat who literally follows me around all day long. What Gretchen is trying to say is they're just so popular <laughs> that every cat nearby needs to come sit on their lap. That's what it's about. Right, thing. right. I just have no one. So anyway, she is a purebred Devon Rex cat, um, which just means she's got, like, a very particular face shape and her fur is kind of curly and she's got mm. a very smushed in, like, grumpy looking face with, like, big giant ears. She kind of looks mm-hmm. like Yoda. Mm-hmm. Um... And um, she, I got her from a cattery, which we were joking would make a great, would be a great name for a brothel. It would. Um, especially because the, the cat, the females that are breeding are called queens. So yep. Anna was a breeding queen mm-hmm. um, at the cattery I got her from. I got her when she was almost four, which is fairly young. For any, any of you out there who know anything about breeding cats, like it's fairly young to like, retire a queen at four mm-hmm. and i will tell you why because okay. my cat um did not like that she was on the bottom of the totem pole oh no she was the youngest breeding queen and mm-hmm. she didn't like it and she was disrupting the entire cattery household by like How? fighting with the other breeding queens like being really possessive of like one of the like, it was a husband and wife who were running the cattery, and she was, like, mm-hmm. deeply attached to the husband mm-hmm. um, and was, like, jealous of any cats who got time with him and would, like, fight, was, like, picking fights because she wanted to be, like, the top cat in the house. Oh. Um, right. She's, like, a like a young Cersei Lannister who just wanted to be the queen. Or yeah. uh, Marjorie Tyrell. She wanted to be the queen. Ah, be she, the was the younger, she was the younger, more beautiful queen. Yes, she was the younger, more beautiful queen who wanted to wanted to be the only queen. And she was just like, like when they brought her to me, like I had reached out because, you know, I saw an ad that was said she was available. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had another Devon Rex at the time and I wanted him to have a buddy. Um, mm-hmm. I made a bad choice for that, but like whatever. <laughs> because Anna resented Ezra very much. 
mm-hmm. um but he because he was the top cat in our house mm-hmm. um he was really low-key though so most of the time she still got what she wanted um but like anyway yeah when they brought her and they were explaining they were like yeah she's pretty young to be retired but like basically they were like we just can't have her <laughs> around <laughs> She she's needs to not to, be... She's pretty young to be retired, but God, she's such a bitch. We got to get rid of her. I mean, basically. Basically, that was what they were saying, was yeah. that she's, she's just like a bitch around the house and we yeah. cannot keep her. Um, and I was like, okay, I will love her. Um, and it took her a little while to warm up, but like, you would not believe if you met her now and saw her interact with me that this cat spent the first like month that she was in my house like hiding under the bed. Mm-hmm. Um and not interacting, but because now I she gotta, like I cannot get her to leave me alone. I gotta say too the the line you just said it before Anna was a breeding queen in the local cattery uh-huh. sounds like the opening line to a song. <laughs> Do you hear like the cadence of that? <laughs> oh my god, that would be great. Somebody yeah. write that for us. <laughs> Somebody make a song about my cat. That'll be our House of Fire and Blood uh theme. <laughs> We'll start to play that in the band. It's like, imagine just like an acoustic guitar, just like strum. Anna was a breeding queen, strum in the local cattery. <laughs> Very dramatic. Like kind of like House of the Rising Sun, you know, yeah. like very dramatic song, but about yes. this cat and how oh she God. escaped from the, the local cattery and... Yep. Used, used her agency to climb up to be top cat in the house. Yes. Yeah, I could see a whole story there. <laughs> I mean, now she is. She has triumphed yeah. because my other cat, he was older, but like my other cat died like three years ago. So mm-hmm. ever since then, it has just been Anna and I, and she's very happy with the arrangement. Mm-hmm. Um, my girlfriend has been like, have you ever thought about getting another cat? I'm like, nope. 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 <laughs> Not while Anna's alive. Nope. So that is, whenever people at sea, I'm like an only cat household, they're like, well, doesn't she get lonely? I was like, nope. No, she doesn't want anyone else. She does not want there to be any other rival for her, you know, the object of her attention, which is me. And if I'm not <laughs> around, it is literally anybody else who's there. She just wants everyone to adore her. She's the only cat. She wants everyone's worship. I mean, I can I can feel that. I also want everyone to adore me. So that makes right. sense. <laughs> right. Like, a, like Alyssa. Yes, just we like just Alyssa. We wanted everyone to love her. <laughs> That's definitely what she wants, 100%. Uh-huh. Maybe we didn't make that up. <laughs> oh, it's going to be good. All right. What a good transition.